And welcome back to the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. That is my whiskey-loving, boot-scootin', free-tootin', Dragon Ball Z-wearing ninja. <laughs> oh, God. This deserves an explanation, but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> hold hold for the explanation. Also joining us as very special guest, Sabre O'Maston is here. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad that we finally were able to get you on the show. I've been running into you at cons for I don't know how many years, and we were super excited to have you as part of our extra live stream in Fargo uh, just a little while ago. And now we've got you on the show. Yes, so thank you so much for coming. Cool. Um, if you guys aren't familiar with Sabriel, she does a whole bunch of stuff in the gaming space, including uh, social media and content creation at Overbuff, and she also does a lot of freelance work. Mm-hmm. So we're looking forward to talking to you about all things BlizzCon in just a few minutes. And so then, happy you're course, here. More. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, we needed boots on the ground, and thank goodness you were there. Oh my gosh. So yeah. we have questions. So many questions. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll talk more about, you know, what you're doing in the gaming space a little bit later on in the show. But uh, we're glad that you're here. As you guys know, Steimer is still on the road in Europe posting photos all the time on her Insta stories about the food she's eating, oh, which is exciting. Yes, <laughs> I mean, it. It, it really does make my day. That stuff looks so good that she's been <laughs> eating and those drinks her and Jackie have been drinking. Oh, I want them. Yeah, they went to Disneyland in Paris, which I want to go to someday. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe that'll have to be the next what's good international destination. I mean, Paris. I wouldn't complain. Um, before we get too far ahead, I want to explain my title that you gave me. Oh, yes, go. <laughs> So, you know, as we have guests on, we like to be professionals and we ask, how would you like us to introduce you? And Andrea randomly asked me how I would like to be introduced because she just asked Sabriel how she'd like to be introduced. And I just started talking. I just started pulling any word out of thin air and that's what it came to. So I think that's my new official title. I think we need to change all of our paperwork. Uh, (laughs) It's a good one. Business cards. It's going to be difficult to fit on a business card, but I will attempt it. (laughs) We'll abbreviate it. We'll see what it says. (laughs) That'll be great. (laughs) You're the best. I love you. So let's talk about a little bit of housekeeping before we get into the news. We have kind of an exciting announcement. So we've been working on this project for several months at this point. And when I say we've been working, I really mean that Balboa and Bedford has been working on the brand new whatsgoodgames.com website. Oh, yeah. If you guys have been there in the last week, you may have noticed that we got quite a visual upgrade, but now we are officially ready to unveil it. We had a couple of kinks to work out, so we soft-launched it, um, but it looks beautiful. We hope you guys check it out, whatsgoodgames.com. 
Um, they've optimized it for mobile. So if you want to check it on your phone, it looks fantastic. It has a bunch of ways that you guys can interact with our content from our Patreon membership to our merch store. We've got links to press articles about us, um, you know, and some fun stuff. So I highly recommend you guys check it out if you guys have never been to our site. So a big thank you to Babo and Bedford for making that beautiful site for us, to Carolyn and Ryan. We love it and are excited that it's finally live. Hooray! Woo! We look like real boys. <laughs> I know. I was just going to say, we're all professional grown-ups now. I know. Do you feel extra pressure now, Brett? I mean, kind of. It's like hard enough to wipe my ass every day a little, and now I have to like try to manage this website. It's fine. It's great. <laughs> Listen, you know, I'm just happy that you're regular, okay? <laughs> Me too. Let's, let's see the silver lining there, okay? I love you. Um, <laughs> Um, oh speaking gosh. of Patreon, if you guys want to get involved in helping to support everything that we're doing at What's Good Games, you can go to patreon.com slash what's good games where you get access to a bunch of exclusive items with your membership, including our happy hour QA live stream and our after hour stream, which are happening on November 21st this month. Of course, that is the week before Thanksgiving when oh. Steimer will hopefully come back from Europe eventually. She might just. <laughs> and then we're putting her right to work. There. She might just love staying there. She might not, you know, she might not come back. I can't say that I would be her. sad. Day. I would be really, but sad. we could probably Skype her in from from Paris or wherever. Sure, she she'd love up. that. <laughs> I'm sure, she would too. Might have to change our hours and when we do the show. But, I know. You know. <laughs> That's oh, all right. Boy. But it's going to be a fun after hour stream because we're continuing our adventures in Man and Madan, Madan, whatever. And we finally have gotten to a point in the game of the dark or in the Dark Petrus anthology yeah. where I. I think everyone's gonna start to get real dead. Yeah, it's. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready for the for the horror to happen. Has anyone died yet? No, we've kept everyone alive. I think. Yeah, yeah, we haven't killed anybody yet. Go us, go us, keeping people alive. Sabre, have you have you played uh, Man of Madan yet? I have not. I have not. Do you like Did scary you until dawn? Nope. Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm not into the scary stuff. Either. Ah, ah, okay. I will watch it, well, but I don't play it. Okay. I, that's fair. I mean, that's what people are doing in the after-hour stream. They're exactly. watching us play the game. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. should come by. It'll be fun. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, let's give a big thank you to this month's <laughs> Patreon producers, Alex Rogopoulos, Chewy's Godson, David Icolucci, Ferris, Tate, and Muhammad Muhammad. And welcome to our Patreon community, Kyle Stevenson, Connor Felty, Ryan Ramakrishnan. Ramakrishnan? Ramakrishnan. Uh, Greg- <laughs> Gregory Horton and Ermagerd Arenda. Um, that's not your real name, is it? <laughs> I hope not. Is- <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and if it is, please tell me the pr- cor- correct pronunciation yeah, and not my weird meme pronunciation <laughs> of your name. <laughs> Um, but I really do hope that's your real name. Um, and <laughs> now let's get into the news. And this week, it is brought to you by GameStop. You guys know all about GameStop. I used to work with GameStop. We've all been inside of a GameStop. And they're kicking off the holiday shopping season with their last Pro Day sale of the year. You heard right, you guys. You can go into GameStops right now and score more than $2,600 in exclusive savings on 2,000-plus video games and collectibles. As part of GameStop's last Pro Day sale of the year, customers can expect to save... 
up to $45 on some of the best video games, including 750 pre-owned titles under 5 bucks and over 1,200 pre-owned titles under 10 bucks. That's a ton of video games for not very much money, you guys. Now, have you been waiting to purchase a new console? You know, we, we've been talking about consoles lately. Well... I've got some good news. GameStop is going to offer $50 in rewards cash with the purchase of a new PS4 or an Xbox One console, or you can get a free Starlink starter pack when you buy a new Nintendo Switch. Uh, so they do have some console deals that they're doing. They've got the Sony PS4 Slim 1TB edition for $299.99, plus you'll get the Uncharted Nathan Drake collection. If you guys have never played the Uncharted games, now is a great time to get in. Plus, they've got the Xbox One S 1TB version for $299.99 as well. And with that, you're going to get your choice of a Resident Evil 2, Devil May Cry 5, or Monster Hunter World. All of those phenomenal games. Get Resident Evil also, 2. I mean, get it. that's pretty good. It's a pretty good pick. It's um, it's going to be a heavy contender for Game of the Year. So, oh. I mean, cannot recommend that game enough. Plus, they've got gaming headsets starting at just $29.99, and all of their t-shirts are buy one, get one free, like this beautiful Dragon Ball Z tee that Brit is wearing. It's 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 snazzy, Brit. I love it. Do you remember this character's name? I told you before we started shooting. Oh, no. Oh. The only Dragon Ball character I ever remember is Goku. I mean, that's worth something. So I am wearing... <laughs> that's okay. I, I won't hate. I'm wearing a Majin Vegeta t-shirt, you know, when Vegeta oh, gets Vegeta. Yeah. by Bobbity, and he, he succumbs to the evil in his heart, and then he makes the ultimate sacrifice. A very pivotal moment for Vegeta in the Dragon Ball <laughs> universe. Anywho, so on the side, it has, like, this Capsule Corp logo, which we all know is the corporation, uh, you know, that my lord and savior Trunks Briefs belongs to, Husbando. <laughs> and, then, and then on the back, you can't see it, but it has Vegeta in Japanese, and it's pretty cool. And I like Vegeta. Vegeta's, nice. Vegeta's daddy. I like it. Uh, so funny story about Vegeta is that I learned about Vegeta when I did my first Dragon Ball Z read for GameStop TV, oh, I and I pronounced it Vegeta the first time, <laughs> and everyone on set was like, um, <coughs> um, excuse me, and I was like, I'm sorry, I don't play Dragon Ball. <laughs> don't be mad at me. Vegeta. Oh, I love you. You precious I know. baby. I must. It was bad. You. It was bad. But we, we rectified it. Um, and if you want to rectify your Dragon Ball Z situation and get yourself a t-shirt, don't forget Pro Day is happening right now, you guys. You can learn more about becoming a Power Up Rewards Pro member by visiting GameStop.com slash Power Up Rewards. Or, of course, just head into your local GameStop. They'll be happy to tell you all about it. And these awesome sales that are happening are going on now through November 10th. So you don't have too many days to take advantage. But... I can't recommend Pro Day enough. I've used Pro Day several times over the years to um, bring in a bunch of old games that I wasn't playing and trade them in for credit and pick up new stuff to also like trade up your consoles. We've talked about that before, how GameStop is one of the best places to take one of your older consoles and trade it in for credit to buy a new one. Uh, they're always doing deals on that, and this Pro Day is no different. So do check them out. Let them know that What's Good Games sent you. Okay, so our first story that we're going to talk about this week is really more of a recap of last weekend. The biggest BlizzCon 2019 announcements. This is kind of a long one. So PC Gamer wrote this up, and we're going to just kind of go through these one by one. 
Diablo 4 was announced and it looks absolutely profane, they write. A true sequel to Diablo 2 that's all about satanic rituals, occult, occult symbols, and lots of blood. Blizzard opened BlizzCon 2019 with an extended CG trailer setting up the story and then followed that up with a few minutes of gameplay footage. There's multiple panels over the weekend that dived deeper into Diablo 4, but what we know now is that it has a non-linear story set in an open world that you can explore at your leisure. Though it's probably no surprise there will be no offline mode and it won't be releasing anytime soon not even blizzard soon (laughs) i know right for some reason i thought it was going to be 2020 with the new consoles but it sounds like it's not sounds like it's going to be like 2021 or maybe even 2022 yeah i was thinking like diablo 3 took like 13 years to come out so maybe in 2032 we can oh, finally- stop that. <laughs> no. Oh, come on. They've been working on it no. for a while. Why? Why would you do that? Now, <laughs> didn't Diablo 3 come out in like 2011? Yeah. Hold on, let me hear. I think it was probably 2012 or 13-ish. It was t- May 2012. Oh, God, I forgot how much of a stacked year 2012 was. Yeah. That was a really good year for games. Um, but yeah, it was kind of a hot mess when it first came out, right? I think we all remember the problems that that game had. Era and then it didn't get or something. Yeah. It didn't like get good until like the year after when they like had put out multiple patches. But so if it was, so let's say hypothetically they started working on Diablo. Did they say if they started working on it in 2015? I thought I read that somewhere. They scrapped what they'd been working on and then started with something new. When that was, I can't remember. Mm. 2015 could be it though because that probably around there sounds sounds legit sounds Um, legit (laughs) we'll look it up um we'll talk more about diablo 4 did you get to play diablo 4 i did did. (laughs) we're gonna talk about it in the next segment okay overwatch 2 is in development it's a full-on sequel you guys with a focus 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 with a focus oh yeah focus <laughs> on co- focus <laughs> see this is what happens when i have brie on the show she brings my north dakota out um with a focus on co-op and new pve modes there are story missions and hero missions in which you'll be able to level up your heroes and overwatch 2's pvp editions like new maps and heroes will be coming to overwatch 1 as well for a shared multiplayer environment well, well, well. What do you think, Brie? Are you super pumped? Kinda. <laughs> oh no! <gasps> Ooh, oh. go go on. Go now, okay. I am excited, but I'm always excited about Overwatch things. However, their messaging I think was kind of a little confusing because mm, they okay. keep saying it's a sequel. However, everything in the game first game is in this one too, and you're like, what? And everything they release mm. for, for all heroes and maps that they release for two is also in the first one. So, like, how does this work? You keep saying mm. sequel, but this sounds a little different. And essentially what Overwatch 2 is, at this point, unless there's more features they haven't announced, it's kind of like a story time, DLC, and a graphics upgrade. Um. Now, I honestly think that is okay. I love Overwatch as it is. <laughs> it's just I think their message is a little confusing. Mm, I'm excited to hear about your. Did you get? Did they have anything playable there? Yep, yep, they did. Okay, because I've been reading recaps of it. Everyone, not everyone, the two or three I've read, people have seemed a little less than thrilled, not as excited. Like it's, a, it looks yeah. okay. The PVE content. So I'm excited to hear your hands-on impressions of that later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Um, like, what if you're not going to call it a sequel? What do you? Because I understand. I pick up what you're putting down, like a chapter. 
I mean, they could call it the next, yeah, the next installment. What's next for the franchise? They don't necessarily have to call it a full on sequel. Yeah, like going into this with the leaks that were coming out, it to me it really felt like a chapter two, Mm -hmm. less Overwatch two. That's not their messaging, but that's what it feels like. Can we also just like take a brief second to give a shout out to Sabriel's amazing necklace, the dragon? Oh, I see that now. Khaleesi wears. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, I'm having necklace envy right now. Oh, that's <laughs> so cool. cool. This thing weighs me down too, so I'm like two well, inches shorter by the end of the day. Can't look good <laughs> and be comfortable at the same time. We all know that's it's fashion cool. logic. Yeah, yeah, that's the way you know. Okay, so continuing on here, all of your skins and cosmetics you've earned in Overwatch will carry over to the sequel, so you won't lose anything jumping over to Overwatch 2. The first new hero, a Canadian named Sojourn, was announced, but we don't know what her abilities are. Game director Jeff Kaplan has also no idea when Overwatch 2 will be released. That's not... That's that's, That's a direct quote. That's false. That's a lie. You're lying to us, Jeff. You have an idea. You're working on the game. All right, continuing. World of Warcraft's next expansion is called Shadowlands. It releases next year. We'll take players to an alternate realm of death and decay where they must choose one of the several factions to align to fight against the Sylvanas. The trailer was positively bananas with Sylvanas dueling Bolvar, the Lich King, or the Lich King, before using his helmet to tear open the sky and obliterate the barrier between Azeroth and the Shadowlands. If that's confusing to you, we explain all of what it means in a separate post. (laughs) That was good. I know most of those words from my very brief time with WoW, but um, <clears throat> uh, did this uh, blow up the skirt for either of you? <laughs> uh, no, I mean I, I, I like I've, I've said before. I, I used to play WoW a lot, and then I just stopped. I kind of got tired of the the grind. I got tired of the fetch quests, and, and also I played with Jason, who doesn't give a rat's ass about story or lore in games, and so I never really had the opportunity mm. to like stop and take it all in. And yeah. once I finally did try to hop in and learn the story and whatnot, I just couldn't get past the the fetch quest, the kill ten of this, mm-hmm. kill ten of that. And I didn't like how the leveling, I felt like, had been so simplified to the point where you didn't really have much control over what you did with your character in terms of, like, abilities and leveling. Maybe they've changed it since then. But, yeah, it's interesting that they're doing this stuff with a level cap. Because maybe... Do you want to read the next paragraph? Oh, yeah. You haven't gotten there yet. <clears throat> like any expansion, Shadowlands will implement sweeping changes to most of WoW's current systems and progression. We'll have a complete overview of those features soon, but some of the most noteworthy changes include a squished level cap of 60, a new endgame dungeon that's basically a self-enclosed roguelike. Oh, God. Hearthstone's desk expansion... Okay, we'll just move on, I guess. It's, uh, sorry, there's supposed to be a space oh, Okay, there. got bad. it. No, no worries. Okay, anyway, yeah. So, because they're taking the level cap down to... Now the level cap is 60, but I believe if you're max level right now, they're going to take you down to 50. And then you have mm-hmm. 10 levels to get to 60, and then at that point you get to choose one of the four co- covenants? Is that what it was? I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Anywho, like, if they make the leveling maybe more detailed and more hands-on, I don't know if they've gone to details with that yet. I might hop back in, but realistically there's like a snowball's chance of hell of this happening but it's so cool to see it's going strong and everyone's getting all excited about sylvanas and all that i just don't know what's happening anymore it's um yeah it's weird to me that they are taking a level cap and then dropping people down and then making you redo it is that my understanding no, that correctly um, so, so in the at the end of the day level numbers your level is just a number and so they're like you know this is getting ridiculous <laughs> and this looks very daunting to new players. 120 levels? I'm level one. And so they're like, you know what? We can just squish numerically everything down. So, oh, I see what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. 
Can you and imagine, so, you know, like three expansions from now, max level of 210? Yeah. That would be a lot. So well, I mean, that's what kind of where Destiny is going right now, too, right? Because, I mean, when we talk to Luke Smith, he's talking about bringing in all of these MMO kind of rule sets and mechanics into Destiny. And, like, so the light level number just keeps climbing and climbing and climbing, as does your level number. So they're going to have to reset that eventually, too, I would Warcraft guess. Warcraft has even done that. They had let level or item squish where... Our logarithmic scale is getting too high. These numbers are getting to the mega damage thousands of things. We have to squish this down. So you're still doing the same percent of damage. You're just, your numbers are lower. Mm. It's like inflation. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Look at that. That's crazy. Okay. Uh, continuing on, Hearthstone's next expansion is Descent of Dragons. And yes, it's got a bunch more dragons in it. The surprise, Hearthstone is getting a new mode called Battlegrounds. It's inspired by the auto battle genre. It's in beta right now, and you guys can read more about it on another post on PC Gamer, if you are so inclined. Um, other bits of notable news is that Diablo Immortal, that mobile clone that made everyone angry when it was announced last year, is still in development and actually looks pretty cool. Did you get to see the mobile game? Uh, yeah, they had a demo space. They didn't. They didn't talk about this game at all, like in any kind of announcement or anything. No panel, nothing. But they did have a small demo area near Diablo Four, and they had some in the media area. And yeah, it just plays like Diablo Three. It's fine. It's fun. Uh, people, I think, just got angry because it wasn't Diablo Four last year. It looks good. Yeah, I saw the the update they posted, the video where it talks about some of the new features they're implementing. I'm like, this looks fun. I've always said that it looks like a fun. I mean, it looks like Diablo, like you said, right? It yeah. Doesn't look like. Wait, it's- is this game? Is this game out right now? No. 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 I don't think there's a release date mm-hmm. in here. Uh, just soon. <laughs> soon. Soon, TM. Um, yeah, no, I'm down. I'm down for Diablo on my phone. I'm into it. Continuing on, Hong Kong protesters were seen outside the convention center, but so far haven't caused much of a stir. Blizzard's president, J. Allen Brack, started the show with a long non-apology regarding the recent controversy around the decision to ban Hearthstone Grandmaster Blitzchung. Brack said he was sorry, but that doesn't matter because Blitzchung and the two Taiwanese casters implicated in the incident are still banned for some reason. Um, so that's obviously PC Gamers right up at the end there. Here's the thing. Uh, we were tweeting about this. Um, and it was a, a really fascinating social experiment to watch people's reactions to his statement that he made on stage. And I still am pretty conflicted about it. Mm-hmm. Um, Bri, I would love to hear from you about what the, what the mood was like <laughs> mm-hmm. at BlizzCon, because I think... You know, a lot of us from the outside looking in were looking at it going, man, it's going to be such a shit show and they're going to have all these protesters and is it going to still be about the fans? Is it going to still be about Blizzard community? Uh, can you tell us kind of like what the mood was like? Yeah, a little bit of setup here first. So um, walking into BlizzCon this year, you had this uh, huge sign saying content warning for BlizzCon this year. And we're all like, what? This is new. And so that's kind of the atmosphere people are going into. Like, this is kind of mm. interesting, whatever. And you all sit down in this big, huge auditorium. Like, there's multiple auditoriums here. You sit down and, and the countdown timers, um, or, or it's, it's all happy, jaunty music, like party mood. Mm-hmm. Everyone's so happy and talking. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, everything just goes silent. Oh. Uh, like Blizzard just cut the, cut the music, cut the thing, and just puts kind of, I can't remember. Like, oh, they just put uh, Brack's name on the screen. It's just silent. And he comes out and here gives this and everyone is just quiet. I'm like, um. And here we go. Oh, this is him addressing it before. He's just dropping this before everything begins. And the mood in there, everyone. Um, I was in the, the Overwatch stage and I don't want to say there was applause, a cheer. I mean, there was applause. There was, but no, like, 
rousing. Yeah, mm-hmm. he did the thing and made mm-hmm. things better. But people were just kind of like appreciative that he did address it uh, mm-hmm. and got that out of the way right away. But um, most of people's reactions were, yeah, that's what needed to be done <laughs> for BlizzCon not to start out so weird. And it did kind of temper yeah. things. I was talking to someone in the know, uh, apparently before that moment, Brack in the back. Um, that rhymes. Uh, Jalen Brack, the president. He looked like a ghost before going out there. Um, just, I'm like, sure. Yeah. He must have been so nervous. Yeah, like, is this crowd going to destroy me or not? And right. after he got that, and after the crowd, just kind of like, all right, cool. All right. Uh, he came back, and all the color had come back into him, and he could relax again. Oh. Um, uh. Yeah, that's it's tricky. I'm with you, Andrea. I was also on Twitter and it was it was it was fascinating. I mean, obviously, is this the apology that I think everyone had hoped to hear? You know, I think people had hoped to hear direct Blitzchung, we we messed up with that, you know, those those casters, we shouldn't have done that. But I don't think, like we said, that's something that would have happened during the opening ceremony. I think that was what you were talking about on Twitter. To expect mm-hmm. that to expect that I mean to hope for that is one thing, but I think to legitimately expect them to come out and, and talk about it, I think is just a little unrealistic. Now, if they had done that, that would have been amazing. But that's obviously like I, it's there's so many angles to approach this from. It's like I understand why you wouldn't approach it that from that way, but I also understand why you said it the way you did. But it would have been nice, of course, if you had come out and blown minds and like mentioned specific details and mentioned this is where we could have done better and this is how we plan to do better in the future. And it's. Um, I tweeted about it. Well, what I said was it, it was sad to see so many people essentially saying, fuck Blizzard, fuck this, fuck Diablo, fuck Overwatch. Because from my perspective, I'm looking at all the people who've worked really hard on these games and have put in countless hours and sacrificed time away from their family and whatnot to make these amazing cinematics and to make this gameplay who had no say whatsoever in this rash decision that the Blizzard execs made. And it was it was interesting to see how people were so quick to just kind of like cease all praise of what we were seeing on stage. And, you know, what I said is, you know, by by saying that Diablo 4 looks great and by saying that Overwatch, it's cool that Overwatch 2 has PVE and co-op and stuff in it. That's not giving the suits a pass. That's not saying we forgot. You can say that this thing looks great. But the, and then you don't have to buy the game. You know, you can still say it looks good. That doesn't mean you're buying the game and supporting if that's what your stance is. So it was just fascinating to see how people responded to that. Some people said, well, by you giving praise to the game, you know, you're increasing their stock prices and therefore the people at the very top are getting X amount of extra money. It, it was just it's fascinating. And I feel like everyone's still just as divided as they were. Yeah, and it, it's Interesting, the follow-up. So I also, like you, Britt, was very excited about the reveals, and I was I thought that they had a great showing. I thought it was very important that they made an apology. Whether or not you think that apology was up to snuff or not is obviously something that you need to um, have a critical thinking session on on your own and about what you wanted from that apology and what you were hoping to achieve from that apology. Um, and I'm not here to tell you what your, your feelings are, wrong or right. Um, I do want to point out that my stance on Friday after the apology was I didn't think the opening ceremony was the time or place to be focused on the apology and to giving details about it. And as I had hoped, uh, Jay Allen Brack did some follow-up interviews after the opening ceremonies to clarify. So he spoke to PC Gamer 
And he said, we want the official broadcasts, which are a small percentage of the overall content that gets created, to be about the games. And we want those to be focused on the games. Now, he's talking about the Hearthstone official broadcast. He says, again, it's not about the content of Blitzchung's message. It's about the fact that it was not around the games. If we hadn't taken action, if we hadn't done something, you can imagine the trail that would be in our future around doing interviews. They would become times for people to make a statement about whatever they want to on whatever issue. That's just a path that we don't want to go down. Brack also stated Blizzard wants players to express themselves on their private social media, but not through the official Blizzard channels. The company doesn't have a great track record in this regard, uh, writes Zero Gamer. However, as three weeks ago, an Overwatch coach said he was forced to delete his pro Blitzchunk tweet in the aftermath of the initial controversy. Referring to the two casters caught up in the controversy, Brack said that the debate over whether the casters were actively involved in Blitzchunk's protest was, quote, not really something Blizzard considered. Uh, the main reason for their suspension, according to Brack, was that they failed to keep the broadcast focused on what it needs to be focused on, which is the games, the winners, and the stories coming out of there. They were not successful in their job. That's how we made our decision on that, end quote. So, two things there. One, as somebody who does this for a living... Um, that's absolutely a fireable offense if you don't do the job hosting what the publisher who hired you wants you to do. So that's just something to consider. Second, what I heard on the grapevine was that the casters were actually in on it. Um, and that originally when we reported on this story, I did not know because it appeared that they were just reacting to what he said on stream. But what I've heard from people close to the situation is that they were in on it. And so it's hard for me to know, like, obviously, this is complete hearsay. It's um, like a, a he said, she said thing. And I don't know, Brie, if you've heard no, anything I've, around the same exact thing. OK, so yeah. set it up for him. That makes a little yeah. more sense because I was I was getting kind of my feathers were getting a little fluffed because I'm like what yeah. I mean you can't control what someone says I mean if they I was like but they didn't know but if they knew then okay and again this is where it gets tricky because I understand their point where you, they don't want you have to start you ha- you can't let stuff fly because if you do then you know what what's the precedent are people just going to keep trying to do it on your platform and when do you punish versus when do you not punish even though i think his message is right and good and should be out there it's blizzard's call cuz it's their platform and that's why right. there's yeah it's it's hard yeah it's 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 tough because it's not again it's not a uh, it's a private company stream. Like it's Blizzard's owned and operated stream. Blizzard's not saying you can't, he can't say what he wants about the Hong Kong protests on his own channel. They're saying we don't want it on our channel because mm-hmm. we don't want people talking about content that's not game related, which makes sense. They're the publisher, right? So I think that the conversation about um blizzard and china and blizzard not being not denouncing the decision is like we're just going to shelve that for now because it's just too long of a conversation for us to rehash because we have a lot of other cool stuff that we want to mm-hmm. talk about mm-hmm. but i thought it important to to mention this because obviously 
you know, Jay Allen Brack going out on stage and making this apology, I think was at least a consolation to a lot of people. And a lot of people have taken this as a, hey, like they recognize that they messed up and they made an apology. Did they go as far as a lot of people wanted? No. You still, as a consumer, have the right to vote with your dollars. If you want to continue on with a boycott, BlizzCon, that is your personal choice to do. Um, and I hope that you can remain not toxic with your comments online because what we saw on Friday was like some really bad discourse was like people not actually talking about the issues and talking about, you know, Blizzard as a company full of creative developers who are making all kinds of products who had absolutely nothing to do with this decision uh, versus like, you know, Blizzard Capital B, the company that ended up making the call that they made. So, and I think that's like the, where the, where the kind of gray area is in this conversation. (sighs) So anyway, let's talk about Diablo for a second. (laughs) Yeah. How about we talk about Diablo? Yeah. Um, Let's do it. Diablo four. Okay. So obviously I think we're all Diablo fans. Correct. Uh-huh. I know yes, Andrea correct. is, but Brie, okay. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. So I love this game too. And so what's interesting about this is this shared open world. And so I read some interviews and some panel recaps, and this is some of the interesting information I pulled. And so this is all via the lead UI designer, Angela Del Pio. So when you are in Story Beats campaign missions and dungeons, that that particular stuff will not be shared with other players. Just other online players, just the people in your immediate party, up to three of them. So because I'm kind of worried about that, because when I think about Diablo, I think of a pretty solo experience minus, you know, playing with my husband. And I don't necessarily want to see other players like roaming around and killing things and looting things and giving me emotes. So it's good to know that these story beats and campaigns and dungeons will still be tailored to just like you and your immediate party. And when you're in a city or a hub, obviously, you're going to see other players and you can group up, challenge people to challenge people to pvp which will be a consensual affair (laughs) thought that was kind of good well good (laughs) and then some other extra stuff that i pulled so there won't be any items locked behind social events so if you are someone like me who doesn't like to play with other people online much don't worry you don't have to do any social interaction it's overrated (laughs) (laughs) and solo players can participate in clan activities as well as donate or withdraw from a guild bank or you can say fuck you i'm joining your guild but i'm not gonna interact with you which is something i would probably do there are mounts which i thought was really cool you get to like ride little horsies through all these like barren lands and whatnot and blizzard does want to incorporate crossplay. there's going to be hundreds of dungeons and anyway, I'm just really excited. I mean, I, I love that it was rumored for a while that it was going to be a darker, more grittier Diablo, which I mean, I thought Diablo three looked great. But, you know, I only played a little bit of Diablo on PC way back in the day. And then I kind of dropped off the series until Diablo three came to console. So I didn't understand or realize that there was such a, a huff puff about Diablo three's cartoony appearance. Yeah, yeah, I thought it looked back- good. I, I love the Diablo 3's look, but uh, yeah, I remember back when it was kind of announced and the graphics were coming out, like, it looks like a cartoon. And I, mean, yeah. I think Blizzard even made a joke about that, making the um, Whimsy Shire. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, yes. <laughs> that's, that's the best part of that game. Oh, so good. That was so fun. But anyway, I think it looks really great. I thought the cinematic obviously was up to Blizzard standards, which was just mind-blowingly amazing. It looked so, oh my God, it looked gorgeous. So gorgeous. gorgeous. And I loved all the gore and the, oh, so good. Oh. <laughs> I loved it. 
But Blizzard yeah. is one of the best at doing like um, absolutely phenomenal um, cinematic trailers that, you know, a lot of times, let's be honest, don't really represent the way the gameplay is going to be, mm-hmm. but they sure look really cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I, I rewatched uh, uh, World of Warcraft is having its anniversary event and they have this little area in game where you can rewatch old cinematics. I'm like, I'm going to watch the original one. It was what made in 2004 for when the game came out in 2005. That still looked pretty good. I like this is impressive. Like fifteen mm-hmm. years later, Ugh. but yeah, ah, Blizzard, Diablo Four. Yeah, no, we're ready. Bring on Diablo Four. I, I, my thing is like I want to play this game at launch because I really haven't ever had that launch experience with the Diablo game. I've always played it like really far after the fact, and then like nobody else is playing, and so I've played almost all of them solo. Um, and so I'm really like looking forward to getting in on some of the the PVE elements, and like I'm noping out of every PVP. <laughs> Me too. No, no, like don't need that. no thanks. Uh-huh. I'm good. I'll just stay over here and kill skeletons by myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it played really well uh the lines oh. were ridiculously long but they were oh, pretty quick bad. uh but it played really well if i mean if you played diablo 3 this looks like a better graphics version of diablo 3 and i don't mean that in a bad way at all i mean no. it's very familiar and your abilities yeah. are very familiar and you're gonna hop right in and have no problem at all yes mm, well we have some gameplay questions that we're gonna ask you in the next segment um but continuing on with the news this next story, cracks Fallout seventy six aristocrats are fighting against the peasants without a subscription. So this is a really fun feature from Patricia Hernandez over at Polygon, and I brought this into the news because not only is it just a relatively slow news week so far this week, um, as of when we we're recording the show, but because we never really got to talk about Fallout first on the show because of when it was announced, um, so. Let's go ahead and dig in, shall we? Uh, I was once one of those crawling in the dirt, says Fallout 76 player Sean Hickman. But with hard work, some greased palms, honeyed words, I'd gained my fortunes. In gaining my riches, my sense of class has risen above the common rabble. Hickman is joking, I think, kind of. He's part of a new Fallout 76 group called the Apocalyptic aristocracy a plan or excuse me a clan of fallout first subscribers who came together while wearing the finest and fanciest gear the mmo has to offer but as those launched with fallout 76 12.99 per month subscription service fallout first was a mess to say the least mm-hmm. private servers weren't really private basic features were busted and the servers themselves were buggy the public meanwhile was shocked to see bethesda charge for premium service when the basic game itself is technically glitchy and at times disappointing and also still full price somehow there were even reports of in-game bullying as the game visibly denotes whether or not you're a subscriber word got out that annoyed players were being targeted for daring to pay bethesda extra money media called it a class war or a class divide Patricia spoke to a couple dozen Fallout 76 subscribers who largely said that they didn't experience any sort of harassment for their in-game status, even with the Reddit thread originally claiming there was an issue filled with skeptics whose experiences did not quite line up with the popular narrative. Days after the reports went out, however, she spoke to a couple of players who claimed that their subscriptions caused strife. Khalifa Al-Khwari on Facebook noted that a crew of players wearing bear costumes ganged up on him after performing an emote exclusive to Fallout for subscribers, and that hostility was echoed by a couple of other fans as well. 
This is hilarious. Um, I'm going to jump ahead in the story because it's kind of a long one. Uh, The Fallout 76 narrative is, why would anyone waste time playing Fallout 76 when there's something better out there? Why would people pay extra money to have a supposedly shoddy experience? But fans are paying for Fallout first all the same. After all, the service provides utility, like better storage and improved options for loot farming. But most people didn't care about that part. As far as the internet is concerned, Fallout 76 is a punching bag. The problem was that the toxicity started spiraling out of control outside the game. The situation quickly turned from players complaining about Bethesda to insults against those who paid for the subscription, says Vector Zaraka, or Vector Zarek, a founder of the aristocracy. <laughs> Initially, Vector Zarek tried easing the tension in various Fallout 76 groups by creating memes about the Fallout First situation. Um, he similarly noticed that other players kept making up jokes about the supposed class war, with some subscribers pretending to give others trading discounts for high-value items while upselling peasants who aren't paying <laughs> subscribers. Now, it wasn't real. But the anxiety around Fallout First fanned the flames all the same. Folks believed the shit post because when they wanted to believe that Fallout 76 was only capable of becoming a more of a convoluted mess. So rather than sulking in the shame of enjoying something that the internet has told them they should hate, some of Fallout 76's players are now embracing the villainous caricature of the public made out of a whole cloth. <laughs> um, if you guys want to read the rest of Patricia's article, because it is quite interesting. Um, again, it's from Polygon.com. But wow, what an interesting <laughs> turn of events. You know, I really want to hop back into the shit show of Fallout 76. Like, granted, when I played it, it was right when the game was launching. So if you thought it was bad now, like, you should have played it back then. You know, you'd walk into a room. All characters would be in the T-pose. They would, like, randomly start spinning around. But I think, I think, I think I could have a lot of fun in this game. It just sounds like there's some weird culture that's going on in there and that people who love it, like really love it, are really into it. And I would like to experience that for myself someday. When the hell that's going to happen, I don't know. Maybe when video games stop releasing and I have some time to kill. But I, uh, I, you know, when we were talking about this, I think we were talking with Todd Howard, Andrea, at E3, when we were talking about... Mm-hmm. We I remember, were, yeah. yeah, we were talking about Fallout 76 and private servers and the PvP and the griefing part of it. And that was kind of one of the reasons I was hesitant to hop back in. Obviously, all the bugs and the other issues were very big reasons as well. But now that there are private servers, it is a little more enticing. However, the fact that they're locked behind this twelve ninety nine a month or $100 a year thing, I don't know. I just don't know. But I would like I would like to hop back in at some point in my life. Maybe when this game goes like free to play if that ever happens. What? Yeah, it's been interesting watching it from the sidelines because I don't have any desire unlike you to go back mm-hmm. to Fallout 76, especially now that I have the Outer Worlds and I would much prefer that. I never liked the idea of other people in the world. I think that the way that they implemented a lot of things to me was inherently anti-Fallout, but I appreciate that people like it. And I don't, I'm not getting down on you if you do. Hey, it's your money. Spend it how you want. The thing that was really a head scratcher for me when Bethesda originally made the Fallout first announcement was the cost. Yeah. I'm like $12.99 a month is just not a good value. I think what they were offering is fine, and it's even fine to charge a, a charge for it um, if that's what your audience you know wants and if they're willing to pay for it. But that price to me was way too high for me. A premium subscription for a game like this that isn't free to play to me feels more in line with like a two ninety nine a month or maybe a four ninety nine a month. Mm-hmm. I mean, but twelve ninety nine like to me, if you're going to be spending that money, 
I mean, you might as well just get Xbox Game Pass uh-huh. or PlayStation Now yeah. instead uh-huh. if you're a console player. It's, there's just so many other options for you to get more value out of that $10 unless Fallout 76 is literally the only game you ever play. Or as it is with the aristocracy here in, in Patricia's article, maybe you just don't care and you're and you want to and you want to save time. She interviewed another member of this aristocracy who said, "Listen, I've got kids and a job, and I just don't have time to grind for all of the things that the membership gives me as part of my paid subscription." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That's a perfectly legitimate answer." And if that's how you want to spend your money, that's your choice. It's your money. Yeah. Go on with your bad self. I can't get on people because I spent how much did Pokemon go? I mean, hey. Yeah. I think that the real the real rub here is that there was a lot of things broken with the game. There are still a lot of things broken with the game. The subscription broke even more things with the game. And it included the private servers, which people have been begging for since the beginning. Mm -hmm. Now, and I think if they had taken that private server access out of the subscription and just said, we're going to give you in-game currency. We're going to give you custom emotes and custom skins and all of that stuff that's standard for a subscription that I think the people who are rioting against the Fallout First members probably wouldn't be as angry. What do you think, Brie? This is where I say something embarrassing. Uh, The Fallout series (laughs) has never really clicked for me. Me neither, girl. That's not embarrassing. I feel like everybody else in the world loves it. I'm like, I don't get it. I've tried. I've tried. And Same. Fallout 76, like, I have a few friends who adore it and love it. And I'm just like, I just don't want to jump in. I just don't. But um, this whole... You don't have to. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's true. And I don't. I'm not going to. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I don't feel bad about that. Just, like, I feel like I'm missing something uh, that now, I'm just not, just not getting. I have also never finished a Fallout game before. So it's not you. I've tr- also tried. It's just not my cup of tea, the setting and all that, um, which is interesting because I... Well, kind of interesting because I never played Fallout New Vegas Maybe I would like that one since it's Obsidian developed that I one. I heard that too, anyway. and I still can't. Yeah. Oh, see, I, haven't. I need to try it now that I finished the Outer Worlds and fell in love with it. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, we're saying if you like spending your money on this, and this is how you like to do it, like you go on through bad self. It's not you that we're like, oh my god, it's the business practice of launching a broken game with a price point and now asking for twelve ninety nine a month on top of that for features that probably should have just been included with a game from the get go. Yeah, but. they just don't feel worth that much. I, I totally agree. Yeah. 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 <sighs> <sighs> interesting, interesting update. We'll, of course, keep an eye on what happens with Fallout 76 as the months go by. Um, oh. Brittany. Yeah. You pulled these next couple of stories. Would you like to do the honors? I would love to. So this is, we don't, generally don't cover, you know, uh, crowdfunded games, but this one's very relevant to our interests, so I thought it would be appropriate. So, <clears throat> X-Bioware Obsidian Devs Chorus. Oh, ex-Bioware and Obsidian Devs Chorus, that's the name of the game. An adventure musical has reached its fundraising goal. With now just three days left to go, Chorus, an adventure musical, has managed to surpass its fundraising target, which ends Sunday the 10th. In case you missed it, Chorus is a character-driven musical game by new Australian dev team Summerfall Studios. It's spearheaded by ex-Obsidian and Bioware developers Liam Esler and David Gator, and will feature the voice talents of Laura Bailey and Troy Baker, as well as music by Austin Wintory. Wintory. I don't know how to say your name. I'm sorry. Currently, mm. 5,039 backers have pledged over 621,000 on the Fig Co site, and more will, 
and any more pledges will go towards stretch goals to make the game even bigger. The first of these unlocks at 650000 adding two new romances to Chorus, bringing the game up to four romance options. Anyone familiar with Gator's work on Dragon Age will probably have some idea of how these will tie in with the game. If not, there's a handy update on the fundraising site explaining it in more detail. Other stretch goals include extra songs, special live streams, and a making of documentary. If it hits 900000 Chorus will be fully voiced. Chorus will be a PC-only release at first, with the potential to come to other platforms. And now it's fully funded. Esti- now that it's fully funded, it's estimated to launch in late 2021. So, um, so this sounds amazing. I'm glad you pulled this. I had not heard of this. So the kind of blurb on Eurogamer says, inspired by games like Dream Daddy and Life is Strange, mm-hmm. as well as musicals like Wicked and Hades Town, Chorus will see the player assume the role of Grace, a singer trying to prove her innocence after a magical muse dies on her doorstep, giving her powers and thrusting her into the world of mythological beings. That, of course, is played by Laura Bailey. So uh, sign me up. Yeah, right? I want this thing. So if you're not familiar with these people, so David Gator is the lead, was the lead writer on Dragon Age Origins. He created basically the world of Theta. He wrote Zevron, Alistair, I have the note, Kaylin, Morgan, Shale, Duncan, Cassandra, Fenris, Meredith, and he wrote the Dragon Age novels Asundered, The Stolen Throne, and The Calling. All three I've read. All three are incredible. He's a very, very, very talented human. And then Liam Esler worked at Beamdog, Obsidian, and on Pillars of Eternity as well. So, yeah, I mean... And voice direction by Troy Baker? Yes! Dang! That's what I... I didn't know he was getting into directing. That's really cool. And so this is kind of fun. I also pulled the blurb that you read, but I don't need to... I don't need to, you know, read that now. But featuring a cast of rich and... Com- this is from the uh, fundraising page. Featuring a cast of rich and compelling characters, Chorus is a thrilling tale of gods, romance, danger, and tragedy, all brought to life through the power of song. Assuming the role of the moose, Grace relies on her ability to draw others into song. When someone is caught up in the melody, they may change their mind, confess to a crime, or even fall in love. It's up to you and the direction you decide to take. So, yeah, if you can check out some gameplay, like, it looks really... I don't even like musicals. I'll be the first to admit it. But looking at this, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can get into this. This looks really unique. And I am down for it. Mm, I'm like... Mm, I'm super tempted. I do like Fig as a platform, too. Um, it's really interesting kind of looking at the differences between the crowdfunding platforms that are out there for games. Mm-hmm. And Fig tends to be one that's more popular with video game developers specifically uh, because of the way that they structure uh, the payments. Uh, so, yeah, I guess if you guys are interested in checking this out, you can um, find it on fig.co. Chorus, an adventure musical. Mm-hmm. Looks real good. And then we'll move on to Super Smash Brothers. Some funny stuff happened today. So Super Smash Bros. Ultimate latest fighter, Terry, goes live today. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate's latest DLC fighter goes live today. SNK's Terry Bogard arrives with a unique stage with special ring-out rules and a host of guest characters, though not my Shiroani. I don't want to say that. I'm sorry. Shiroani. Because as director Masahiro Sakurai put it in today's stream, quote, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is for good boys and girls of many different ages. So did you ladies hear about this? <laughs> yes. Okay. I, uh, no, not that. No, I just knew. I just saw a adorable <laughs> picture of Kirby. Uh, so, tell, so tell her. Okay, so so, tell her, <laughs> so I myself had never heard of. I, I the reason I think you say her name as Mai, because there's a slogan going around for another game that she was supposed to be in, and it was my no my no buy, or maybe it's May. So that's where I'm getting like the my versus May from. Anywho, so seeing this this morning, 
I was like, all right, I haven't touched Smash in a minute, but I'm going to Google this character to see, like, what's the big deal? Like, why is she not appropriate for good boys and girls of many different ages? And if you Google her, I mean, she's just wearing, like, a real skimpy outfit. So, essentially, she's wearing, like, a really, really low cut, like, from the waist up. It's just, like, a low, low, low V. And then the rest of the shirt disappears behind, like, a waist cinch. And then it just turns into, like, a really long loincloth. And then on the back, I think she's wearing a thong, but I'm not sure. Anyway, very like, skinny. Like cami style? Mm-hmm. No, it's like, I would say more G-string. It's like very like non-existent. So yeah, like, and if you look at some of her physics in the game, like I was looking into her. I, I became fascinated with her. She's definitely the second most popular character of the series. The number one, I guess, is obviously Terry. Um, and she, back in the day, like the, like maybe mid-2000s, even Later, a little earlier, she was constantly voted, like, sexiest video game character, best video game babe. If you go on the Wikipedia of this girl, it's pretty fascinating to see the kind of awards that people were giving out back then. I mean, we all remember we were around then. Um, So she's, like, highly regarded, very, very popular, but I just had never heard of her. So I guess she's a little too... Anyway, like I was saying, her physics, when she's, like, standing there, like, her boobs are just, like, bouncing everywhere. And they're, like, most jiggly character, like, just... They're everywhere. And it's... it's, I think it's really fun, but that's just me. I mean, that's Japan fighting game, right? So, sorry, Bray, did you have something you wanted to add? Uh, Yeah, if anyone watches the stream or the video of this, you could see the exact moments that I looked up the image search of May. (laughs) (laughs) My eyes are just bugging, like, oh... (laughs) I have seen this character now, but uh, goodness. Yeah, on Forbes' article, they say that she's known for her barely there kimono and fighting style, which makes her constantly bend towards the camera Mm -hmm. and has been a cover girl for King of Fighters and SNK in general for years. Though in 2019, she may seem a bit less. Now... He says, I'm really trying not to say PC, but it's kind of true. It seems that the idea is that May couldn't just appear in Smash without it going against Nintendo's family-friendly vision for the franchise. And if she was put in a different, less revealing outfit, I'm guessing that that would have agitated fans as well. So she's just not there at all, which is obviously the right call. Um, But if I was Sakurai, I just don't say anything about her. (laughs) I don't mention her. I don't think he could get away with that because she is so popular. I think, you know, but, you know, it's interesting because obviously she is like a walking, talking sex symbol. I don't know if she talks, actually. I've never heard her speak before. Maybe she doesn't. I don't know. Um, But yeah, you know, it's funny because there's a lot of pretty great memes out there right now of people just kind of reacting to this. And one of them is quoting Sakurai saying um, Smash is good for good boys and girls of many different ages and then it shows bayonet as like victory pose where she's like cat- she's like on her you know what i mean she's like on her stomach and her like ass is up and her ass is like going up and down and it's like oh really i mean obviously like you know she does like splits and other things but it could just be like you said the fact that her outfit is what it is and to change that damned if you do damned if you don't Anyway, it's really cute. Literally, you really are. <laughs> and then on that note of Smash, it is officially the best-selling fighting game ever. So this is via IGN. Super Smash Bros. Ultimate for Nintendo Switch has sold over 15.7 million copies, officially passing Street Fighter 2's 15.5 to become the best-selling fighting game of all time. Wow. As reported by Digital Trends, Nintendo revealed that Smash Bros. Ultimate sold this impressive number in its half-year financial report ending September 30th, 2019. So go Smash. Can't say I'm surprised. Woo, Smash! Oh, look how happy you are, Andrea, for Smash. (laughs) You gotta work on that, girl. Listen, I'm happy that they did a thing. Smash has been a high point in many gamers' lives, and I'm happy for them that they have a thing that they enjoy and they love. 
Good for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> YouTube.com slash what's good games. Look at the shit eating grin on her face right now. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I le- legitimately, I have nothing against, I have I nothing know. against Smash. I just have no interest in Smash I whatsoever. I just appreciate and, your... And my... You appreciate my Your my positive smiling? attitude and your smiling. Thanks. It's, it's the right I try, thing to say. I'm trying, Britt. Listen, my, my former colleagues at Kind of Funny Games tried many, many times to get me to play Smash with them. And I was like, no, I will not play Smash with you. I do not play Smash. Smash is a game that you need to be good at to be competitive. And we all know how much of a terrible, terrible loser I am. Yeah. So... So, I mean, Brit, you know firsthand. Oh, yeah. So that's why I, don't play I just have never played, and I just don't have a desire to play. And that's okay. Some people don't have a desire to play things that I love, like Lego Tower. And I'm okay with that. They've never experienced Lego Tower. But, like, you know, if you wanted to play a really nice mobile game, you could try <laughs> Lego Tower. You spoke um, your piece anyway. and you spoke it well. All right. So the final Thanks. thing I want to talk about is this is kind of a this was a roller coaster. I want to grunt and cry and and smile about it. Okay, so on November 3rd. Now granted, for some, you know, last week we talked about Dragon H4 and how during EA's earning call they said basically like this bad boy is not coming probably until after April of 2022. So even knowing that, even knowing that, I can't help myself sometimes, but on November 3rd, BioWare tweeted the following Today marks 10 years of Dragon Age. This year, we're excited to join the community's party day on December 4th and celebrate a decade together in the world we all love. See you on 12-4 for Dragon Age Day. Now, the thing is, age and Dragon Age, the A is a 4. So it's Dragon 4GE Day. So I lose myself because I kind of lose all logic when it comes to this. I'm like, oh my god, are, you know, Game Awards are coming up. Last year, we got a little tease of, of Eggman doing his shit during... The, the tease at the game awards and thinking maybe we'll get something so i started looking into this and basically the four is just a reference to the date 12 four so no like there's not probably not there might be like a little nugget of info but chances are we're really not going to get anything okay what i think we might get Brit, yeah if we look at the story that we talked about from last week about EA's earnings call and everything they discussed, maybe it's remaster time. Oh, maybe it's shit. collection time because N7 Day it's tomorrow is, is happening this week. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping by the time the podcast comes out that they've announced some kind of Mass Effect collection. Oh, my God. But I'm not holding my breath, right? But right. they very specifically said in that call that they wanted to focus on doing more remasters. So, uh, give it dream. to me. So I started looking into this Dragon Age day. And so I found a whole article about it. And it's like a whole thing. So I pulled this via Games Radar. On this Dragon Day's website, which is dragon4gede.com, you can currently put in your submissions to tell the developers behind the series how much of the games mean to you. Share your writing, art, memes, and help us to salute the talented Bioware and Dragon Age artists, technicians, and teams who gave us the world of Thetis. Also, Dragon Age Day is supporting our friends at Able Gamers, with proceeds raised by events during the celebration going directly to the charity. Last year, fans raised over $7,000 for the charity's Child's Play. For the charity Child's Play. So they're doing like this whole thing. It's basically like you said, like their version of N7 Day. 
and on the day they're gonna have writing art and meme celebrations writing prompts and challenges art prompts and challenges twitch live streams dragon age fan videos dragon age fanfics and memorabilia auctions and giveaways again with proceeds going toward able gamers so i just thought that was really cool i had no idea this was even a thing my jumping to conclusions about getting new dragon age information led to the discovery of this cool thing going toward a cool cause and i just wanted to share it that's fantastic. We love the folks over at Able Gamers. I've been on their media advisory board for, for a little while now, and I'm happy to hear that they're working with the team at BioWare for, for this special event. So that's cool. Also, I thought we have to get Steimer in her Cullen shirt doing something. Uh, Yes, 100%. Right? And just oh, to confirm, I, now. I don't think this is like an. I mean, I think, like you said, oh, yeah, they are working with Bioware in the tweet. I just want to make it very clear that this is definitely not like a, an officially Bioware thrown event. It's just kind of a fan thing that I think Bioware is going to like hop on the train for and be like, hey, we're going to support kind of like you. how Bungie hopped on the train for Guardian Con. There you go. Interesting. But, and then finally, Layers of Fear is coming to be. Oh, do you have more wait, to say? I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear if, if Bree is as much into Mass Effect and Dragon Bree. Age as we are. So you know what I said about uh, Fallout? <laughs> oh, same thing. No, Bree, no, no actually, really? Actually, I have had bad experiences with both Mass Effect and Dragon Age that kept me from going continuing <gasps> on. Oh, no. What? I, uh, Dragon Age 1, I had a save file corrupt on me. This is back when the game came out. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh. And then uh, I tried playing again, and the game started crashing out in the same area. And so I never Bummer. went back. And then oh, Mass no. Effect. Oh, but uh, people keep. T- I have two and three. I think because they were super cheap. And people uh. say, "Go ahead, you could." Uh, it's okay. Go ahead. If people tell you to wait, skip wait, Dragon wait, Age wait, Origins. Wait, 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 wait. wait. <coughs> okay, hold, of, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you talking about Mass Effect and Dragon Age? Uh, actually, I did confuse the two, but I do have uh, two for cheap. I needed to just go. However, I just had the game crash on me so many times with one that I like. It's not that I didn't like what I was experiencing. It's that it just kept fighting me. Mass okay, Effect so, or Dragon Age? I was a Dragon Age. Oh. Okay. Okay. So, so to be Mass clear. Effect, <laughs> okay, go ahead. Continue. Continue. Mass Effect is the one I have all three. But I tr- I'm like, years later, I'm like, okay, I want to see what all the hubbub is about. I'm going to get into Mass Effect 1. And I'm, I was playing it, and I got lost on... There's some capital city uh, um, you get onto earlier. I don't remember what it's called now. Maybe it's called Capital. I don't know. And I got lost and confused where I was going. And I was like, I'm done with this. I need to, I'm done. And I tried. I was going around. I just kept getting lost. The map was not helpful for me. I was playing on the old versions. I think they made some HD versions later. They did. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> On Xbox. Okay. So people kept saying, you can skip the two on this one. And that's okay. You didn't miss much. Mass Effect 2 is one of my top three favorite games of all time, <laughs> Bree. Whoever told you you can skip it is no, an idiot. No, no, no. Idiot. Skip 2-2. Two, two. Not skip, skip one and jump straight to two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm still, I'm still flustered. I'm so I'm flustered. I'm still with this slightly flustered because Dragon Age Origins <laughs> is like one of my top games of all time. And whoever told you you can skip Dragon Age Origins was on no, something. I, I, I misspoke earlier when I said <laughs> okay. skip the Dragon Age. It was skip Mass Effect one. Okay, okay, okay. Now but, I can uh, calm down, Andrea. You're still, you still. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still flustered. Here's the thing: if you're gonna skip a Mass Effect. Uh-huh. Don't don't skip a Mass Effect. Don't just don't just don't skip any of them. <laughs> They're all really good. Um, that's just my final answer. Um, but what you need is the remasters. I think what we all need, what we all oh, want, what we've been waiting for, is the the collection one two three collection to be 
like um, to up, be up res, to get a lot of, like a fresh coat of paint. I don't need the Resident Evil 2 and Final Fantasy 7 treatment Mm-mm. of these games. Mm-mm. I mean, I would take it. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I don't need that. No. I just want to play it. And I know that like they're backwards compatible and that I can play them on my Xbox One. I even like have Mass Effect 3 installed. But I mean, you know... They've held up pretty well, but they could do with like a little, a, a few tweaks under the hood. Uh, I would love a collection. I would love to spend money on a really fancy collector's edition uh. of this collection with a bunch of cool N7 stuff. That's what I want. You know, that's what I really I want. Throw to. my money at you. And then you think about Give it. it to me. When the hell would we have time to even play it? <laughs> we wouldn't, but I would find time because you like find you time, time to play like old. Like Harvest Moon, you play old Secret of Mana. It's been so long, Andrea. It's been so long. I don't know what that (laughs) life is like anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's because we're knee deep in too many good games that are out now. Yes. um, Which we're going to talk about in just a minute. But you have one last tidbit before we go to our first break. I think you should read this one. Okay, I will, because I love you. Layers of Fear is coming to virtual reality on Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive. And Andrea Renee and Christine Steimer are very, very excited to play it. Cool. That's an interesting headline. Um, (laughs) Listen, you know Steimer's not going to do it. She's already said very explicitly that she She doesn't want to do it. She hates scary stuff. She hates stuff on her face. I know she's out, but I still have to throw her here. I know my best chance is with you. And I get it. So... I also don't enjoy scary games, but I will do it for science with you. <laughs> okay. I will do I will do it. I'm making the commitment right now. Oh yeah. That we will do it. Oh yeah. We've got a rift. We've got a rift here. We can put the green screen up at the studio. Mm-hmm. We can make something happen. When is it coming out? Uh very soon. That's all they have. Oh. No, yeah, no soon. Date. Okay. Uh, uh, well, I would then, ask you, well, Brie, but I know you don't like scary games. Plus, I've been in the black hole of BlizzCon in Anaheim for a week, so I have no idea what's going on. (laughs) Yeah. Um, on that note, we are excited to ask you some questions about the demo that you played at BlizzCon. Yeah. Plus, finally, Brittany and I can talk about our time with Death Stranding. You guys know you want to hear it. Stick with <laughs> us, everybody. We'll be right back after this short break. back everybody it's segment two of the what's good games podcast and this is where we talk about what we've been playing and this week it's brought to you by id tech if your child has an okay tech learning experience it might feel more like homework but if they have the best experience doing something they're passionate about it could light a fire in them for the rest of their life. That's the gift ID Tech can give them. Whether they're interested in coding, video game development, robotics, or video production, ID Tech can guide your child from a casual explorer to a college-bound pro. Their rockstar instructors transform a love of apps and video games, yes, like Fortnite, into a foundation for collage, collage? For college, that's mm-hmm. the word. Mm-hmm. Hmm. internships and dream careers at companies like Google and Disney. They've got a bunch of options, including courses for games like Minecraft and Roblox. So here's the thing. ID Tech are a set of these really cool camps for kids. And when I started looking into the courses that they offer, I got super jealous that I didn't have any of these when I was a kid. I went to camp, but it was like, here, kids, sit in the woods. And maybe (laughs) if it's not raining, you can take the kayaks out. 
This is really this is really cool. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I'm getting my nails done or my hair done, and I'm talking to the people doing it. I tell them what I do, and a lot of times they get the response, "My kid would love to do that. How do they do that?" It's like, well, ah, but this sounds like a great resource, you know? Because yeah, yeah, so. Here's a here's a way that they can do what Brit does. Oh. Uh, kids can have a blast exploring their <laughs> oh. interests and build the STEM skills employers are desperate for. Uh, so a little bit more about ID Tech, that they were founded in Silicon Valley, and now they have programs at 150 prestigious campuses all around the world, from Caltech and NYU to Cambridge and even the University of Hong Kong. Chances are that you can find a location within driving distance. Now, it's no surprise that when I looked up some of their locations that there's a ton of options here in Los Angeles. We're one of the most uh, one of the largest major metropolitan areas in the country. But even out by Brit in, in, in Washington, there's options in Tacoma and Bellevue and Seattle. And I looked up for our hometown folks, Bree and Fargo, and there's an, an option in St. Paul, which is not too far of a drive from, from North Dakota, which is fantastic. So they really do have a ton of locations around the world and in the United States in particular. And of course, there are courses for all skill levels. Beginners are welcome and advanced students have a place to be challenged and grow. So when you invest in your child today, tomorrow takes care of itself. So nurture their interests now and get help from ID Tech. If you guys are interested in exploring all of the courses that ID Tech has to offer because your kid just won't stop talking about how they want to code, you can go to idtech.com slash what's good to reserve your child's spot and receive $75 off. Now, this is a great gift for the holidays. You guys know that you're already thinking about holiday shopping, so maybe now <laughs> is the time to go to idtech.com slash what's good to see what kind of courses you want to reserve for your child to get that $75 off. ID T E C H dot com slash what's good. And also, just a little side note, they do have female only classes, which I thought was a really nice touch because let's be honest, being mm-hmm. an 11 year old girl is hard. It's yeah. Not a fun place. And sometimes you just need to com- com- have the camaraderie of, of all girls because boys can be mean at that age. Mm hmm. Well, really, at any age, but mostly at that age. <laughs> So if that's something you're worried about, I they do offer all female options. All 11-year-olds can just be little shits. But hey. Uh, yeah. In general, <laughs> you're correct. Yeah. 11 years old is just a, it's just a tough time of life. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about what we've been playing. And we've decided that we want to start with Bree's um, impressions oh from her hands-on time yes. at BlizzCon. So where do you want to begin, Miss Sabriel? Um, gosh, we just go – Gosh. Diablo. Oh gosh. Diablo. Let it Diablo. come out, girl. Okay. Let let the Fargo fly. <laughs> oh, geez, oh gosh. Okay. Oh jeez. Oh Fiargo. Okay, I heard sorry. Diablo 4. Let's do Diablo 4. Yes. Mm. Tell me everything. Okay. So what did you play? Tell us about the demo. So the demo was roughly ten minutes long. I didn't get the t- I didn't time mm. it, but ten um, minutes? Yeah, Dang. maybe fifteen. I didn't look at the watch, to be honest. I was okay. so engrossed in it. The time went by no time at all. So mm-hmm. maybe it was like three hours, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, you get in there, you get your character select screen. You get to choose. At this point, you can choose barbarian, sorcerer, and druid. And I first went for sorcerer because I play barbarian at home all the time. I'm going to try something different. And it kind of struck me right away. You get different. Um, I, hear, I hear the barbarian got different um, genders and racial options. Mm. Uh, sorcerer, she got just two, ra- two different races to play. And the druid, I drawing a blank to be honest here but uh you're hopped in you get um kind of some, some cinematics of your hero uh breaking out of a tomb and 
and uh, you're just kind of yeah. launched into the action. And yeah. it felt really good. Um, I mentioned earlier, if you played Diablo 3, uh, this is going to feel natural just to jump into. Uh, they didn't have any of the uh, stat progression or, excuse me, um, skill trees unlocked or anything like that for the demo. Mm. They just kind of throw you in. But it felt very much like Diablo 3. And I mean that in a really good way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Diablo 3. Why fix the broken earth thing? Something that's not broken. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we talk all the time about how you don't need to reinvent the wheel as long as the wheel that you are sticking with is nice and polished. <laughs> and Blizzard is one of the best at um, really sticking to their formulas for their games. So I'm glad to hear that the that they're not like radically changing it. But um, what did you think about the? Did you guys get to do co-op at all, or do were you no, playing solo? Uh, what I I just jumped in my own. But uh, while I was ringing around the world, I, I um, was kind of shocked. I was like, all of a sudden, people were starting to run around. Oh, yeah, that's right. We had this new ever-present oh. everyone are running around. And so as I was on my way to the destination, you know, I'm killing things. And other people are here like, killing things with me. And naturally, you know that, that you have that Diablo inclination. Like, there's loot. I have to grab it. And I'm like, wait a minute. I only have a few minutes here. I don't need to go around and get every other Oh, thing right. Here. I know but, it's uh, a terrible problem in demos. <laughs> I can't say this, but anyway, um, yeah, so I see my marker way up here on the map, and a bunch of other people are going that way. Yeah, let's just kick the crap out of things on the way there. Oh, you're going that way? Okay, see ya. I'm going this way. And it felt weird coming from Diablo 3 that just people were jumping into my game and leaving, but not necessarily bad weird. It was just a new experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh, Do you play Destiny at all? No. Have you played Destiny at all? I have. I played uh, both. does, does it feel kind of like that? Uh, Where like you're think, out yeah, in the world yeah, and like people are coming and going, doing their own things, but you can ha- stop and have these moments where we're all fighting the same thing yeah. together. But then like you go about your business, they go about their business. That is absolutely like the perfect comparison for what this felt like. Uh, I think I had a little event and we all kind of jumped in there, but I think just for loot, but uh, gold. But um, yeah, no, it, that's perfect. I hadn't thought of putting it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so the loot. Um mm-hmm. What is the loot stream going to look like? Did they talk about uh, that at all? Um, I didn't catch what they did there, um, honestly, because my focus was Overwatch, and there's a lot. One of the best things about Over, or Overwatch, or excuse me, BlizzCon tweets, one of the best, what's, wow, that sentence got hard. One of the best tweets. <laughs> <laughs> no, English is hard language, trust me. Like, yeah, I struggle all the time. The struggle bus is real. <laughs> one of the best tweets about BlizzCon was that, all right, now I have to go check up on what happened at BlizzCon because I was too busy at BlizzCon enjoying BlizzCon. Yep. Uh, just- <laughs> <laughs> yep. So you did it right is what you're saying. Yeah. So I had to go back on websites and see what was going on here. But I don't remember all the loot stuff. In the demo, they just mm-hmm. pumped it full of legendaries and whatnot just to feel As good. As you do. Yeah. 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 So when you're running around the world, could you stray off the beaten path and look for dungeons or anything? Or was it a pretty linear path you had to follow to get uh, to your destination? In, in the demo, it was, I feel like it was more linear. Maybe that's just because I've been used to Diablo 3 where it's like, you got a quest, go here. Yeah. I, mean, I did explore a little bit and follow some of the people who were going around, but uh, that didn't lead me into any new quests. And I don't know if that was my feeling or the demo was just limited. They were trying to force something to work just so people can play it. Yeah, they did say it was a very early demo during the presentation. But still, that's awesome. You got to play it. God, yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so jealous. So what kind of skills did you have? Um, for the sorcerer, the one I played the most sorceress. Uh, mm-hmm. like I got called away when I was playing the other one. So I couldn't give you as much of a run through them. The sorceress, they gave me this, my favorite ability 
was you turn into this little spark. Ooh. And uh, you click on an enemy, you just charge right through them, kill them. Oh. Push crucial it again. It lasts for like five, ten seconds. So every time you go through someone, bam, 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 bam. Uh, like a fiery yes, pinball. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, this feels awesome. Oh, that. I'm so all about that sorceress life. Like <laughs> I, I went necromancer on my last playthrough of Diablo three, and I just like love the magic abilities. I love playing mages and games. And when they showed the sorceress, I was like, "Yep, that's gonna be me." <laughs> oh man, no, totally I'm all about horrible. that barbarian life i just or whatever the, just give me the big tanky beefy heavy boys and that's what i want to be <laughs> i love the abilities of like the sorcerer and whatnot but yeah i just like to smack shit you know I so you're gonna go are you gonna go barbarian or you're gonna go druid barbarian i think well, druid felt pretty smashy too really see that I'm, yeah. i don't know yet i don't know my first yeah. barbarian uh, this is embarrassing, but it's fine. It was a different time. My, my first barbarian, I named her Butt Sex. I'm not even joking. And she that sounds uh, like Brit. Yeah, yeah. And she was a beefy girl, and I loved her very much. So I feel like because just to keep the legacy of Butt Sex alive, I have to keep the barbarian class. But <sighs> keep oh my gosh, the legacy keep the legacy alive. of Butt Sex alive. <laughs> It's true. I have pictures of her. I'll share them so you can see them. You've got pictures of butt sex? Yeah. <laughs> wow, Britt. I'm learning new things about you every day. Listen, Andrea, we got to amp up our Patreon money. It's just a thing. New tier, pictures of butt sex. Dang. <laughs> that would that would maybe bring in maybe bring in some people. Maybe not the people we want coming to the Patreon page, no, but, but you know. Yeah, you know, beggars can um, be choosers. Get their money while you can. It's... It's true. It's true. Okay, cool. Well, we are we all knew that we were going to love Diablo 4. So, you though are the Overwatch mm-hmm. expert. Mm-hmm. Yes. Tell us about Overwatch 2. So, uh now I can't remember if we talked about it before. We still recording everything it again. after. Just tell was us it everything. during Okay, yeah. Um so, <laughs> Overwatch 2, they're up here. This is a sequel to Overwatch 1. And mm. we're all like, "Cool." Is kind of weird. Uh yeah. And then they're like, everything that's in two, or everything that's in one is in two. Most things that are in two are in one. We're like, cool. Uh, sounds cool. All right. Um, kind of confusing. And, but uh, yeah, Overwatch 2 is a graphics upgrade mm. and to an already beautiful game. And it also is adding PvE content, which is something people adore when the PvE events happen in Overwatch 1. Um, but also they're bringing everything, every PvP aspect also to two. So much so, in fact, that you're sharing the same player base mm-hmm. and all the same heroes and all the same maps. So the new uh, mode, Push, is also in Overwatch 1 and 2. Yep. Right? Okay, yep. got it. Uh, push is a really cool game mode. I was confused all heck when people were trying to explain it to me. And <laughs> I may get confusing here, too. But uh, the best analogy I had was uh, kind of like football. So in turnovers here. I'll get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the concept of push is there's a payload in the center and it's so heavy you need a robot to help you push it to your goal. <laughs> and uh, to get it to move, if you played Overwatch, you know you stand on the payload, it'll move. And so the robot, if, if he's on your team, he's pushing this object closer and closer and closer to the enemy spawn point. And you'd never lose progress on that, but you can lose the robot. If you get killed, the enemy team takes over the robot and it starts running back the other way towards their object, their uh, wall to push. You don't, you share a robot, but not the objective. Mm, oh, okay. interesting. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, and then by the end, uh, whichever team gets all the way there, or whichever team, if no one does, push gets their robot to push it the furthest. 
push. Okay. Uh-huh. That's interesting. So, I read it was more about flanking more than holding control yeah, points. Uh, Did you maps, feel that? Yeah, totally. Um, I was playing some very flanky heroes, and I've never felt so good. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Then. So There's do you typically so play flank? Around. Okay, so that's my question. Right. So do you typically huh? play flanking heroes, or does no. this mode force you to play heroes that you might normally play in other modes? I think actually the second one. Uh, mm. I tend to play uh, Anna, is a healer. It's my favorite hero. Um, I can play all of them, but she's my favorite. And she's very much a, I don't want to move too much from my cover. Uh, she's mm. going to be a pain in the butt to play this one <laughs> until I <laughs> uh, get used to it. Um, but yeah, you're going to see a lot more of a Tracer, Genji, Wrecking Ball, and these kind of maps, at least for a while, until people can figure out uh, how to make their playstyles work for it. Uh-huh. Interesting. Um, what do you think about the the new hero that they announced? Uh, okay. The Canadian. This is a, <laughs> this, this might be a, a very loaded question here, actually. <laughs> um, Sojourn is a hero that we've known is coming for a long time. Uh, so actually, she's not new if you're if you follow Overwatch quickly or excuse me, uh, follow Overwatch closely. Mm-hmm. But um, the fact that when she's coming out is more information. But again, we don't know anything about her other than she now we know she's Canadian uh, and coming out in Overwatch <laughs> too. That's all we really know about her. Um, mm. When she comes out, she will be one of the first um, black women. Mm. Uh, you get story characters who are, but not playable. And mm, uh, that's right. That's been some com- points of contention. And there's some articles going around, um, which I think honestly kind of misconstrued something Kaplan said. I don't know if you want to go into it now. Are you talking about that. the Kotaku article? Yeah. From yeah. Nathan Grayson. Okay. Yeah. I read that. Um, obviously, as someone who doesn't really know a lot about Overwatch, it sounded like the reason, I can't remember who he was chatting with, but th- that it was given was because she's a very integral character mm-hmm. to the story of Overwatch, and it doesn't make sense to introduce her until they're ready? Is that is that kind yeah. of what it was? That's, okay. that's um, kind of the selling point of the article. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm being there. I wasn't there for their interview, but being there, I got the sense more like, we weren't waiting for Overwatch 2 to release release another black character. We were waiting. F- Once we got this idea for Sojourn, we mm-hmm. came, up with, came up with a perfect spot to put her into. Uh, not that because she's black, but because we found a perfect spot in the story that we've been building to mm-hmm. put her there. Now, they admit that they really screwed up in, in uh, releasing the diverse cast that they keep touting they do. Mm-hmm. And what he meant in the article, he mentions we don't want to have a checklist of racial... Uh, of diversity okay. diversity yeah and yeah so that's what he i i understand i can i think i can understand that feeling they don't want someone just to push out just for that um uh mm-hmm. but uh they acknowledge that they screwed up and then it's not the fact that sojourn the uh, race is why she's in two it's just they're like they're coming up with the story it kind of fits this perfect spot that's why she's coming out when two comes out mm. um is yeah, it's been interesting yeah. looking at Blizzard's past with Overwatch because they have frequently been touted as a game that highlights a diverse cast of characters and um, they are applauded by their community for the diversity in their cast of characters as well. But I guess it does kind of sometimes feel a little bit like a trap to say, oh, well, do we have to specifically make this character to represent this one audience knowing that we now have this reputation? And it's 
an interesting topic that several people have done panels on at PAXs over the last mm-hmm. couple of years talking about diversity and, and how do you incorporate diversity without making it feel like it's forced diversity and the challenges that come around with, well, if somebody's not leading the charge on diversity, then diversity just doesn't happen. And we've seen that happen in video games for decades, right? And we've even yeah. talked about about that with our show and about the fact that we are all women on the show and what that means for us to represent that voice. And, you know, do we sometimes fill that token role and how does that make us feel and what that means for the industry? It's a, it's a very fascinating topic, um, at large. So I'm glad that he spoke about it and I'm glad that they're, they're making her, but I also think that Blizzard needs to make sure that she feels right because I think the last thing anybody wants is to see uh, a character of color shoehorned in for the sake of diversity because I don't think it serves the community and I don't think it serves the game. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, cool. So overall, though, thumbs up? Yeah, yeah I do. I do. Um, it's kind of funny. Uh, playing Overwatch 2, you can kind of feel how Overwatch 1 starts feeling a little dated in there. Oh, really? Uh, just graphics. I, it's very oh, yeah. subtle. It's very subtle. But you can kind of feel it. And um, I can't wait for that to come out. Like, it's it's more of the same. Uh, actually, it's like every game I played at BlizzCon, I feel like it's more of the <laughs> more same. Of the same. Not, <laughs> necessarily a bad thing. They're doing the good stuff with that. So what did you think about PvE? Did you get to do any of the missions? Yeah, the- yeah. They had okay. a demo mission. Uh, you are basically when Overwatch meets Lucio. Uh one of my favorite characters as well. I don't know who that is, but I'll... Oh, that's uh, cool. Lucio, uh, he, he's a, a guy who shoots or kills things and heals things with music. Okay, yeah, he's got the rollerblades. Yeah, yeah. And uh, ah. Omnix are fighting or attacking uh, Rio de Janeiro and Overwatch here has helped to save the day. And that's where Tracer, May, and Reinhardt meet Lucio. And you uh. fight through the streets and um, the, the developers kept saying, like, this, this game is... is uh, we can do so much more with this game engine. And during Q&A, I asked, like, is this something that we're going to see as players or is this something just cool for you developers that you just are very happy to, to talk about? And mm-hmm. he's like, no, no, no. Uh, we can get more, more AI units than we can in the base game. So we can do story mode and we can do bigger maps so we can do story mode. And so it sounds like they've kind of like rebuilt the game uh, learning or taking things they've learned from the last three, four years. Mm. Uh, to make things better but the pve was a lot of fun uh if you played uh, the archives events uh i know uh it's basically more of that expanded version of that okay that's what i read too because i was reading about it because i am not you know like i don't like to play with people online spoilers like no one knew that but the reason i would be interested (laughs) in overwatch 2 is because you know i do find the story well mostly the characters i find them very fascinating and if this is a good opportunity for me to hop in and kind of learn more about them i'm all in so i was reading about it and um what i read was kind of what you said you know it was fun it was a good time but it felt a little shallow now Mm -hmm. do you think that's because we're still so far off uh no, I, I asked Jeff about this too because mm. uh, even in the archives events when they happen in regular Overwatch, they're three week events, and by the end, you know, feel people are kind of like, okay, yeah, doing the motions again. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, like, what are you going to do about the replayability? And he said, yeah, basically, kind of admitted the story mode itself is kind of going to be that way for you. Uh, if you're getting bored, amp up the difficulty. But otherwise, the hero mode is where the action's going to be at. Hero mode is basically a story mode. But with progression, uh, you can mm. change hero abilities, you can level up and whatnot. So that's where the main focus of Overwatch 2's PvE content is going to be. 
And if, if that makes me, sense. Yeah, it feels more like uh, adventure mode. They kept saying adventure mode in Diablo is a comparison where you can keep doing missions and get loot and bounties and whatnot. Mm, okay. To me, it felt like more like Destiny where you can keep redoing missions and whatnot. Yeah. I mean, that's that's Destiny in a nutshell. Just do uh-huh. everything over and over and over grand, and over grand, again and then, grand, do, it, and then yeah, do it again. Grand. That's what this felt like to me. That's what this felt like. That's really fascinating. I wonder if they worked with Bungie. I have to imagine when Bungie was still with Blizzard, or excuse me, with uh, Activision Blizzard, that maybe those teams talked at some point to oh. be like, yo, like this is like, here's some things you can incorporate. Mm-hmm. I was just talking about this with someone this morning. Back when Destiny was still with Blizzard, they're kind of, apparently they got a bunch of uh, tips and whatever like, suggestions and help from uh, Blizzard folks. I mean, they've been making MMOs for years and replayable content. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now destiny is a cool we did our own thing and now it almost seems like blizzard is borrowing back ideas from what the destiny team has done in their replayability so it's kind of gone Ah, they started it put it and then pulled it back (laughs) i think it's interesting that devs do that i think it's great i think that that sharing creative ideas between teams is you know one of the beautiful parts about collaboration and, and working underneath the same publisher is that you can have that kind of free flow of ideas and we do sometimes see devs from different publishers working together though obviously that inherently comes with a lot of other strings attached to it but um i'm excited to play overwatch too i've long wanted to get into overwatch not just because the characters look so cool and i i have played a decent amount of overwatch but as Brittany mentioned pvp just is not my thing i i jump into it from time to time like i love doing pvp in destiny but as like an added thing to the pve like i'm there for the pve and so when they announced all of this pve focus for overwatch 2 it was like yes finally and They've done so much extensive work narratively with the lore of Overwatch through all of the supplementary materials that they've put out and all the cinematics, the comics, etc. that it only made sense that they were going to add some kind of more robust story element within the game. Absolutely. The people have been... I, mean, I They've added a bunch of lore or created a bunch of lore, but adding is the difficult part. And I was saying for months now, I was like, they keep hiring these lore writers, but nothing's coming out. So Overwatch 2, or the next... Overwatch announcement has to do with story. And sure enough, it did. Nice. Well, cool. Thank you for getting boots on the ground for us at BlizzCon and talking to us about Diablo 4 and um, Overwatch 2. Was there anything else that you played that you were like, oh my gosh, you guys have to hear about this? Uh, Oh my gosh, no. But (laughs) (laughs) more more World of Warcraft. It's fun. It's Warcraft. It's beautiful. It's cool. Mm -hmm. You play WoW, you know what the expansion is going to be like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Cool. So then maybe now, Brittany. Oh, God. It's time. Are we ready? about the BBs. So this is where I say Sony Interactive has provided promotional copies of Death Stranding for us to play for the purpose of our impressions and for the purpose of us judging uh, the Game Awards and for us to tell you about it. So we've been playing. And it's been going... It's it's been well-ish. It's it's been going. It's been going. It's been going. Yes. Go go ahead, Britt. Okay. Start. (laughs) So I just want to start by saying that this is one of the most beautiful looking games I've ever played. Obviously, yes. The motion capture is phenomenal. The acting is just like top tier. I am a sucker for story, and I think what Kojima has conjured up and that. My, I, I'm not gonna say little because that's mean, but I would say like the a mind. I was like weird little mind, but that sounds like a diss. Don't mean it like that. And that mind of his is something 
so fascinating. And I am just so I'm hooked on this story. It's just so people say it's not Kojima weird, but as someone who hasn't played, you know, a lot of Kojima games, to me, this is like a very weird thing. And I just appreciate where it's going and what it is, because it's unlike anything I've ever played before. Yes. So like everything, I love every single thing about this game, but the thing I'm struggling with is the gameplay itself, which obviously is kind of an issue. Um, you know, I paid attention to a lot of the previews, the preview videos that we got, but as we got closer to launch, I kind of stopped because I really did want to go into this as blind as possible. Um, cause I knew I was going to play it. I just wanted to know, like, what, what did he come up with here? And the gameplay itself is just, it's hard for me to really get into when I, it's unlike anything I've ever played. I feel like, you know, we've talked about reinventing the wheel and I feel like Kojima is in essence trying to reinvent the wheel to an extent with the way you play the game, with the way you lug around. So, okay, I guess we should back up. I'm getting ahead of myself. So basically, yeah, you yeah. are, you, because <laughs> I feel like at this point, a lot of people kind of understand because the, the reviews have been out for a while, but yeah, like, let's back up. So you are Sam Porter Bridges and you are trying to reconnect the world because some stuff has gone down and the way of reconnecting the world is for you to get on your two little feet and to march your feet across across the great America and connect things along the way via, and I'm, I'm remaining vague because I feel like these are kind of story points that are interesting. And, yeah, and this will be spoiler free. Yes. Dubs, obviously worried. Yeah. No spoilers. Um, and along the way though, you have to remain, you have to keep your job as being a porter, which is someone who hand delivers goods from one place to another because that technology is just really not available where the country is at at this point. So not only is it your job to connect the country, you have to continue delivering goods. And that's kind of where the gameplay comes in is where you've, we've all seen those big green rolling Hills. We've seen the rivers, we've seen the ladders and essentially you have gear at your disposal to help you traverse this land and to safely transport cargo from point A to point B all while connecting the country because you are the only person who can do it, Andrea. <laughs> do you think I, that's you are the kind only of the one. sum? That's kind of like the sum of it, right? Yeah, no, that's a that's a good high level summary. So there's a lot of like nitty gritty jargony specifics that you'll learn, and then you'll have to struggle to understand because <laughs> the game does not handhold you at all. Right, and I appreciate just how weirdly deep sci-fi this concept of a game is because I love weird sci-fi. I'm here for it. But when you have objectives that you have to go about and you're trying to understand the story, it's a little bit frustrating that the game doesn't really give you a ton in the beginning. Now, as you go through, you know, the more of the emails open up, you get more context through things that you can read throughout the world. And the more you talk to people, the more it becomes clear and I do appreciate that it like the like the 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 very loose threads at the beginning come together, you know, midway and then you know through the end of the game. Um, I haven't finished the game yet for clarification, because as you guys may have known or seen, it is a long game. Um, if you kind of mainline it, you can probably get it done in about thirty to forty hours. But if you take your time with a bunch of other things, it can easily last 75 plus. So it really kind of just depends on how you want your Death Stranding experience to be. But um, yeah, I'm with you, Britt. I think that 
it's gorgeous. The animation is beautiful. I stop and look at the animation all the time and go, just the, the work that was done was really fantastic. And I do really enjoy the way that they incorporated the soundtrack into this game. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the more artful ways that we've seen licensed music incorporated with an original score um, in a video game. Because so often when you get games that have licensed music in them, they're either like a radio station that you flip on or, you know, they are like a opening cinematic song or an end cinematic song. I mean, I think really the only game recently that's incorporated licensed music in a way that I thought was really interesting and cool was Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm. But even in that game, there's it's few and far between those cinematic um, musical moments. In this game, they're all over the place. Mm. And so I think that's something to be applauded for sure, what they did with, with the music in this game and how difficult that is from a licensing perspective, but also from an artistic perspective. So short aside there about the music. The music is really nicely done. And I am crossing my fingers that we're going to get some kind of Death Stranding musical performance at the Game Awards. Uh. Especially since Keely and Kojima are, are good friends. I'm like, ooh, can we get some churches? I'm, I'm, like, I'm like into it. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's just a selfish request. So um, the gameplay. Uh, before we get into the gameplay... How are you feeling about the story so far as it relates to, like, themes and um, your emotional tie to it? What, do you, what, what are your kind of, like, takeaways so far? So I'm still trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Yeah. And <laughs> as, as, but that's kind of the beauty of it. Like, I have, um, like, these are all of my Death Stranding notes. I don't know if you can Amazing. see. But she's I have, holding up a notebook, everybody, where she's handwritten notes I have, into a spiral-bound notebook. Dude, I have three pages of notes <laughs> where I'm writing down because, like I said, you know, it's interesting. Like, Andrea was saying, all these loose threads. And you were like, okay, what is a, a repat- repatriate or whatever it's called? What What's mm-hmm. Dooms? What's a BB? What are these things? And no one ever really sits down and tells you what these things are. You just kind of have to, like, remember it in the back of your head. And then you kind of get context from conversations between the characters. Because you are literally just, like, thrust into the story. And you're like, okay, catch up. So I'm just now at the point where certain things are starting to come together. And I'm not quite sure how to feel about it just yet. Because what's touched upon is some, you know, I think can be pretty sensitive topics uh, depending on you know who's playing the game or who ha- who's interpreting it, however they are, and obviously this game is almost almost border. It's sci-fi, but it's almost borderline horror in a sense. I would say with some of the themes and some of the the, the sci-fi thing- thriller, sci-fi yeah, thriller. For sure. There we go. Yeah, the certain things that happen, and so it's not out of the norm to see that you know shit's gone dark and shit's going down and things are not good in the world, but it, it's. Right. I, I think TLDR, I'm still kind of on the fence, but I'm interested to see how it all kind of comes together as the story unravels. Because what I'm finding is, is I can pick up and play this game for like an hour or two at a time, and then I'm like mentally exhausted. Uh, but when I'm not playing Death Stranding, I'm thinking about Death Stranding. But it's not the kind of game anyway right now where I can just pick up and like hop in. It's not like hump- hopping into a game like The Outer Worlds, right? Where you know... It's a it's a familiar RPG. You know how to play. You know how mm-hmm. you know how the mechanics work. With this, it's it's something completely different. And so when you do hop in, you're like, okay. And right when I feel like I'm getting the grasp of it, they introduce something new. And then it's like, okay, so now I have to remember this. And because you know we have been so busy, and there are so many games to review, and we have been traveling, it's been hard to keep it in one cohesive like thread in my head that rhymed. Um, 
but you know a strand a strand oh i miss opportunity miss it's okay i had i had to get it in there Um, i know exactly what you're talking about and i think my struggle with it so far is that i'm i it's been a long time since i've been this conflicted about a game and i'm struggling because i appreciate it for what it's attempting to do for its amazing stab at this very lonely, desolate representation of where the United States is and how you're literally grasping at these strands to connect people together and it represents itself and manifests through these objects that you see in the world placed by other people. So I don't know if they're officially calling it like an asynchronous multiplayer experience, Mm. But essentially, if you guys have seen any of the reviews, there is this ability to see other people leaving objects in the world. And you can leave objects in lockers for people to pick up. You can leave ladders to help people navigate and cross rivers and to go up and down rocks. You can put ropes out. You can essentially like leave these little signposts for people in the world to say, hey, somebody else was here. You're not alone. And even that... I was conflicted on because on one hand, I'm like, wow, this is a really cool mechanic that we really haven't seen before. It really feels innovative in a way. We've seen close. Obviously, the Souls games have something similar in them. And we've seen other games try this kind of asynchronous multiplayer um, thing. So, I mean, I want to be clear, like this isn't like completely brand new, but I think the way that um, is implemented in Death Stranding feels feels different and feels mm-hmm. fresh and mm-hmm. feels like something that I haven't seen before. However, I'm conflicted about it because I got kind of frustrated from the sense that it felt like there was no discovery for me. And that moment of exploration, which I feel like this game really focuses on, that deep, quiet exploration where you're just out in the world by yourself trying to figure out where to go, what to do. Every time I felt like I was making some progress or I was doing something neat and different, I would see all of these placements in the world. And I'd be like, well, now I can't really figure that out on my own because somebody's signpost is there for me. And it was conflicting because on one hand, I'm like, oh, they're trying to help me. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, what if I wanted to figure it out on my own? And I don't know if there's a way to turn those things off. I don't think there is. I don't know either. And the liking system, I inherently felt egregious too. And I don't know if that's because I have to work in social media so much for <laughs> for my job and we're just on social media all the time. But this idea of liking things and having to get things liked by people and how the likes are, contribute to the progression. I was like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that I have to like things. I don't like that people have to like my things. I don't want to leave obligations in the world just so people will like them. <laughs> I was like, I do that enough online in my real life i don't want to do it in a video game but at the same time i appreciate that it's kind of cool but i'm mad at it (laughs) it's it's a very no i totally and i'm so excited to see what happens when this game i guess tomorrow it launches for us anyway the seventh i'm so excited to see what people think when they go hands-on with this because it is just so so one moment like there's this insane like, serious moment in this game, right? Oh, my God. Like, this stuff is going down. Everything's bad. And then in the next moment, there's monster energy drinks on the table. And then <sighs> the next moment... I'm still angry about for that. Real? 
Yeah. Like, There's a lot of product placement. It's the most placement. gross, blatant product placement wow. I've seen in a game in a really long time. And I don't know if it's because Kojima is just a giant fan of Monster Energy Drink. And he's like, I love monsters so much. I got to put them in my game. But it feels so out of place because it's a real brand with the cans so visible. I've taken so many screenshots that I haven't been able to share yet because now the embargo's lifted. But like... Because every time I see them, it makes me angry because I think that they've created this really unique original world that I in literally the the narrative of this game is the only thing keeping me going because I do not like the gameplay at all, yeah, period. And like this monster energy drink business just takes me out of it instantly every time I see them. I'm so it, mad about it. And it's actual consumable that you can use, I believe, as your stamina drink. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, like Andrew's saying this incredibly fascinating narrative. And then, you know, you see a monster energy drink and then Norman Reedus is, is Sam is winking at you, you know, in the camera. So you actually, you know, he's looking at like the player winking or, you know, he'll go take a shower or pee. And then there's an advertisement for his new show on AMC. At least I believe it's a new show. Um, and it's, it's, I mean, I appreciate the weirdness, but definitely I don't, but, but I find it egregious. But, I don't like it. But part of it also <laughs> reminds me that this is just a, a video game and, People have been paid off for X, Y, Z. And granted, like I know that happens a lot through a lot of media, but in a story such as this, it just it just does seem a little out of place. And again, I, I'm not used to Kojima Cheap weirdness. It, yeah, you know, so maybe this is par for the course, but it's definitely a hell of a ride. And egregious, weird, whatever you call it, it's I, I can't stop playing it because I want to know like how far is this going to be pushed? Like how much yeah. weirder can it get? And it's just unfortunate that the gameplay just isn't really clicking with me. I think Greg called it meditative to him. And I have heard that after 10 hours or so, it, it, 20 game, hours from it, Brian Altana. Okay. <laughs> 10 to 20 that it changes. And, and the, maybe I'm, I'm still in the tutorial area. So maybe I won't be climbing up these green Hills the rest of my life. I don't know, but I want to discover what happens in this narrative and I want to know what's going on, but it's just the gameplay itself is just, Maybe it's I'm not used to it yet, but yeah. I, I just so the can't. traversal gets better for sure. Okay, like you're right. Like it does, it does get better. But that being said, you know, like I, I'm always talking about the idea that games shouldn't wait to hook players for 20 hours in. Most gamers are never going to give a game that long to try it out. I mean, you've got maybe at best three to five hours uh, for people to get hooked on your game. I mean, I think three hours are sometimes even generous for people who have lives and kids and other things going on, right? My, my, my big thing is that this game is all about moving and traversal. Like, that's such a giant mechanic in this game because it's literally about you moving across the United States, connecting these strands together. And the traversal mechanic is just, it feels punishing for the sake of being punishing. And it doesn't feel like there's a strategy. It just feels like we're going to give you these tedious things to manage. So in when you're walking in the world, um, third person, you're walking, there's a visual indicator on the topography of the map as you're walking through. So you'll see 
you know, green and red and yellow indicators of like what kind of topography you can walk across safely because you're carrying all these things on your back with a balance mechanic that is the demon spawn of any video game mechanics I've literally ever played in my goddamn life. Why are you making me a balance mechanic in a fucking video game? I don't want to do it. Anyway, continuing on. So if you see something that has like a bunch of red marks, you know, oh, it's going to be dangerous for for Sam to walk over there. Or if you see water that has specific marks, you're like, oh, I got to be careful if I'm trying to ford that river or whatever, right? Mm. I don't want that. If I'm in a video game world, I don't want to manage which rocks I'm stepping on. I want to just walk through the world and enjoy the atmosphere and enjoy the world and then deal with, you know, the mules or the BTs or whatever enemies that are coming across and focus on my objective and the idea that I have to climb over a tiny rock because it's just a rock and my character can't just step over it like literally any other video game would. I have to hit a fucking climb button. It makes me irritated and it takes, it takes, it breaks the immersion. Like it makes, I waffle so wildly from being, (laughs) waffle sounds good, uh, between being (laughs) incredibly angry at this game and being completely amazed by what they're trying to accomplish. And that's why I go back to this idea of being conflicted because I want to see this story. And I keep saying to John, because he's watching me play a lot of the times, and he like hears me like yelling at the TV from the other room. <laughs> and I'm just like, I want this to be a TV series that I can watch. Because I, yeah. I really think the story is fascinating and what they're doing and the acting, as you mentioned, is so good. And I, I really want to see what happens. And because I'm emotionally invested, I feel something with what's happening narratively with this story. But the gameplay every time just brings me out of it. And I just, I don't know how to reconcile how frustrated I am. And I think this is what a lot of people are trying to communicate in the reviews that I've seen of this game. And because they're so, the highs are so high, I think people are forgetting how low the lows are. And obviously, you as a gamer need to decide what kind of gameplay is intriguing and exciting to you. Like Greg um, has, was, was saying on Kind of Funny Games, his podcast was saying, you know, we I love this game. I think that the exploration is great. And, you know, I found it meditative and I, and I really enjoyed it. And I'm just like, yo, I don't want to have to hit L2 and R2 to balance boxes on my back as a game mechanic ever. And I mean, that's it. You know, I I appreciate okay here's the thing is like i get that you want it to feel i'm still traversing on foot so i get you want it to feel visceral but i feel like i've played games where you have rough traversal and it still feels visceral because of the way the character leans or interacts or steps or how maybe trying to go uphill is a little slower than when you're going downhill Mm -hmm. and you know honestly it's too much of a pain in the butt so in your menu you can hit triangle and it'll optimize your um Oh, what am, your your luggage, whatever. Your load. Your, oh, there. Thank you. Your load, <laughs> so you can carry more stuff on your back, and it just makes it easier. But even then, if you're carrying a lot, you still are are walking. And so, what we haven't talked about is like you'll walk, and then all of a sudden he'll start leaning to the right, and then you have to mash L two or hold L two, and then he'll start leaning to the left, and you have to hold down R two. Or if you start if you walk over a rock incorrectly, it'll throw you off balance. So what I found that I do is I just optimize my load in the menu. And then I just constantly hold L2 and R2. That way you really don't fall over, but you move a lot slower and you can't really sprint. And it makes the the traversal a little more uh, annoying than I feel like it probably needs to be. 
so it, it, I mean, I do feel like every step I make matters and it does give you that visceral sensation, but at what cost, right? And I know it's annoying to me. I know Andrea has been annoyed about it. I've never played a game where I'm so like up and down. You know, it's 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 so yeah. bizarre. So I was looking on Metacritic, and right now it's at an eighty three. Um, and I know IGN gave it like not a great review, and I know some people gave it. it it's kind of all over the place as well. You know, a lot of people gave yeah. it high nines, and some people gave it like real low sixes. Giant Bomb gave it a four. VG forty twenty four seven gave it a wow. six. Wait, a four out of five or well, a four out of ten? Well, it's, it says forty, and it's in the red, so I'm assuming. Oh, if it's, it's a forty, that's at a wow. Yeah. I didn't realize they scored it so low. IGN gave it a sixty eight. Or a six point eight on their games radar, give it a seven. You know, so it, it's just game in four or seven. So yeah, it's just kind of all over the place. It's GameSpot a nine. I yeah, I feel like this is the kind of game that really is going to speak to people who are signed up for the weird and they don't really care about the game part of it, mm-hmm. which is the frustrating part to me because I put so much emphasis on narrative, but it's a game at the end of the day, it's a video game. And to me, a game has to either be incredibly compelling or it needs to be very fun. And this game is straddling the compelling line because it's so weird that you have to kind of like go out on a limb and hope that it's going to get someplace. We haven't even talked about the BBs and this whole situation about like this narrative around these things because they call them equipment in the game and how they're like, ripped away and then and how there's mothers in like a different world and i'm not gonna go too far down that line because if you guys want to have the narrative like unfold for you like i'm gonna allow that allow that to happen without spoiling for you but there was a lot of things around the bbs that really hit me in an emotional way that i wasn't expecting that i did not care for and what I appreciate is that I felt something because I feel like that means that they're doing their job as storytellers. But what I didn't like is how I felt afterwards. So I didn't like the feelings, but I, I appreciate that they made me feel something. Um, but the thing in the controller with the BB crying with the speaker and the DualShock 4 and this idea that you have to like physically rock your controller back and forth to soothe your BB, I am not here for that. I do not have a baby. I do not want to take care of a baby. And thankfully, you can shut those functions in the DualShock 4 off. You can turn them. You can turn the speaker off. You can turn the motion control off if you want to. But I'm like, nah, nah, dog. I don't want to take care of a baby inside of a video game. This doesn't yeah. sound fun. This is not hashtag fun to me. This is why we what? need to do a spoiler cast eventually. There's just so much to talk about. Ugh. Uh, yeah. So, I, yeah, I mean, just to kind of like recap, I think – Obviously, like Andrea said, it's going to be something that speaks to you, that you're cool with, that you're like, I'm all for this traversal. I like how visceral it feels. You like the management of it. Um, Or, you know, you could be like me where you can only handle like an hour or two at a time because it's kind of an exhausting game to play if it's not immediately clicking with you. But like me, you're going to keep thinking about the story and you're going to want to know what happens because it is so interesting. Or you're just going to be like, nah, dog, I'm just going to watch the cutscenes on YouTube. <laughs> and that's fine, too. It's, yeah. yeah, I don't, I'm trying to stick with it. I really am. Yeah, same. My goal is to get to the finish line. But dang, they are not making it fun. <laughs> Sorry, Andrea. Free. We've been talking yes. a lot. <laughs> no, oh, once you find out the secret reason why monster energy drinks are such, are in the game, uh, you're going to feel ashamed of your words and deeds. Oh, oh yeah, why? Oh, you don't get the meme. Oh, the Hideo was talking about um, quiet. 
And he, he told people, you will be ashamed of your words and deeds once you find out her secret reason why she wears no clothes. Oh. Wait, but what was her secret reason again? Because she's plant people. Oh. Oh, so, <laughs> she, so, needs, what, no, so she needs a photosynthesis. Being like bullshit, right? Oh, there was too much going on there. <laughs> oh, sorry. I got all excited. I just wanted to use the big word photosynthesis to make me seem like yeah, a smart human. Yeah, that was, that was it. Yeah. Yes. Look at me. I paid attention in seventh grade. <laughs> you know what? Nah. Nah, dog. I remember being angry about quiet back then. I'm just as angry about it today. Like, be. that's a that's yeah. a bullshit fucking reason. Yeah, I'm calling it like I see it. That's a bullshit reason for you to justify putting a girl in a bikini with mm-hmm. a sniper rifle, which is against all fucking logic. But then again, that's what Kojima excels in, is yeah. doing, like, things that make absolutely no sense whatsoever and being like, I'm weird, and you're going to love it, and you're going to eat it up with a spoon. And then That's- everyone's like, I love it. I'm eating it with the spoons. Give me another one. <laughs> I'm going to double spoon this weirdness. Tagline for Death Stranding. <laughs> <laughs> That's Death Stranding in a nutshell. Oh, that needs to be a clip. Oh, my gosh. I was thinking, okay, like, what clip do we use for this week's show? Do we use where I was thinking share? Or do we use Andrea, like, feeding herself with double spoons? I don't know. I'm so conflicted. <laughs> I mean, I already saw that uh, in my head. I was like, oh, no, Brittany's definitely clipping this for social. (laughs) That's how I feel. Okay. That's how I feel. No, that's fine. You're allowed to have your feelings. Thank you. Again, yeah, like, I guess I don't really have anything much more to say other than, like, if you're going to hop into this game, prepare. Personally, I mean, I'm playing this, and I'm like, this is unlike anything I've played before. You can't literally just pick up and start playing it. You know, it's not like anything else. How are people just so chill about it? You know, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know why I'm doing it. And, and the mechanics of it are still so confusing. Anyway, anyway, if you're going to play it, just prepare for something super unique, super different, and incredible acting. It's going to look beautiful. The sound is incredible. Everything is great about it. But the gameplay, I think, is where most people are kind of like, Maybe that's Let where most people are there. divided. Yeah. Not everything is great about it. A lot of things are great about it. For me, I'm into everything, but... If you're going to say the word except or but, then you're not into everything. Everything <laughs> but the gameplay. Okay, I'm into 99% <laughs> that's of a, That's a giant butt, Brittany. <laughs> it is a big... I don't everything like but the butt. gameplay? Right. I, and I like <laughs> big butts, but it's not what's... Wait, I, no. I like, no, listen. <laughs> The no, listen, is oh, no, 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 real talk. You're allowed to lo- you're allowed to like things. You're allowed to think it's cool. I'm not trying to take that away from you at all. Thank you. I'm not. Don't take away I'm my not. happiness, Andrea. I'd be very sad if you did. But if your butt is but the gameplay. No, uh, that's that's a problem. Uh, that's, uh, I'm not it's a big butt. I'm not I'm not denying this ain't no little skinny ass. This is a big butt. <laughs> you know, and that's the problem of having with this game. I've been intrigued. Butts. Big butts and butt sex today on what's good. Oh, games. I know. The butt is the theme of the week, I guess. <laughs> I like again, I'm really excited Everyone to loves see a good butt. what people think about this game who are playing yes. it. Like, and that's what I appreciate about what the discourse we've seen. And uh, shout out to um to Khalif Adams and his review in the Hollywood Reporter. Uh, it's something that he wrote about in his review for Death Stranding and talking about his excitement to talk to other people about this game to have that water cooler moment. And how that's a really interesting part about what's happening in Death Stranding is that it's so 
weird and so different and so unique and also so innovative that you can't help but talk about it and you can't help but go, yo, so what did you think about this thing? And I think that in and of itself is worth applauding that this game is going to have this kind of zeitgeist moment. And I think that that's something that, you know, Kojima has been known throughout his career to have these like off the wall beats in his games, right? But I think this is definitely going to be the like uh, the cherry on the weird cake uh, for him of of, of water cooler moments. So uh, we're definitely going to give you guys an update. We hope to do a spoiler cast uh, with Steimer when she is back and she is able to uh, get some hands on time with it because I definitely want to hear what she has to say about it. But as you guys know, she's not here. She's in Europe. Mm-hmm. So that said, I do want to move on because there's definitely more games to talk about and we're already at a, a long show for this week. So um, Bree, if you're in, you want to talk about a couple more games? Yeah, let's rule. Let's go. Okay. So, Brittany, mm-hmm. you have been playing Luigi's Mansion 3. It's a delight and we don't deserve it. It is. Right? <laughs> I'm so excited about this game. Such it's just such a feel good game, and I think I have a newfound soft spot for Luigi because the shit he <gasps> goes through is just he he just wants to do good. He's just very introverted, very shy boy, and he just gets shit on. He gets the shaft anyway. Luigi's Mansion three. So the last time I played <laughs> the last time I played a Luigi's Mansion game was on the GameCube, and I don't even know I, I was a wee last because I remember that was I think the first game I played on GameCube, and it wasn't spooky. But it, it was a little spooky, if you know what I'm saying. Because, like, you're in a haunted house and there's ghosts. And spoopy. Spoopy. Even, maybe. That, that's, that's what that's the perfect. I've always wanted to use that word. And now I have a good <laughs> way to use it. Luigi's Mansion was spoopy. Anywho, so I'm sure, you know, you're all familiar with it. But essentially, you are Luigi, Mario, Peach, and two of the Toads are. They disappear throughout the middle of the night. This beautiful hotel that you've been invited to suddenly turns into this creepy haunted mansion. You're reunited with Professor Egad. You got your poltergust back. And you have to go bust some ghosts and shit and try to save your friends. So the way the game is laid out is that there are ten levels and two basement levels. And each level more or less is themed after something different. Of course, you have a couple levels of your typical hotel, but then you have something fun like a medieval level where there's knights and, you know, old weapons and stuff like that. And then you have a natural history museum. You have a really fun movie set. There's um, a garden area. And then now I'm currently in an Egyptian themed spot. So every level is kind of based off of something different, which really... It's really exciting to go through each level. Okay, what's next? What's next? Because what you have to do is you have to go through each level and collect elevator buttons because all the buttons have been taken and you have to defeat ghosts to get the (laughs) elevator buttons so you can put them back into the elevator and save your friends who are in paintings. And you have to use this thing called dark light, I think is what it's called, or black light. I don't know. It's it's weird. Anywho. So that's that's like the premise of Luigi's Mansion. You're trying to save all your friends who are now somehow now in picture frames. Um, and the poltergeist has its main features. You can blow air, you can suck air, you can use your flashlight, you can use, I think it's called dark light. I think that's what it's called. It's like this rainbowy light that helps think, that makes things manifest that maybe were there earlier but aren't there now, and that helps with certain puzzle solving. But the big thing in this game is obviously Gooigi. And I, I have a soft spot for Gooigi. No pun intended. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> um, so. What's really great about this is I think this is a game that absolutely should be played in co-op if you can. Gooigi is essentially Luigi, but in goo form. And Gooigi can do every... 
Luigi can do everything Luigi can do. Uh, my this is ridiculous. Minus he can't he can't open doors, he can't climb ladders, and if he gets anywhere near water, he melts into a puddle of of literal goo. But what he can do is he can go through pipes, you know, that have little drains on them or drainage holes in the ground themselves, which also like lend themselves to puzzles. And as you go through these levels, obviously your ultimate goal is to get to the end to find the next elevator button. But there are collectibles. There are six gems per level that are themed after the floor you're on. There also are booze that you can find and suck into your poltergust if you so wish. I'm not really collecting this stuff anymore because I started, but I just kind of want to like see what happens. And um, it's just a really good feel-good game. I feel like Nintendo finally... like. Not finally, because I've always enjoyed the Luigi's Mansion games. Well, the one I played anyway, and I followed the others but never played them. But they finally, like, this is, like, it. Like, this is, like, the best it's been. They've really got their footing with it. And they do some really smart things with this game. And I think it's just a really good feel-good. It's a treasure. It's a gem. If you're just looking for something fun to pick up and play, that's not too complicated. It's not a difficult game at all whatsoever. It just has that Nintendo charm that uh, they're known for. So I would definitely recommend playing it. It's... It's just so it's so fun. It's so pure. We don't deserve games like this. Aww. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. A good pure game. I do want to take a moment to poke fun because Ooh, it is okay. very rare that I play a Nintendo game that has bugs. Extremely rare. But I've encountered that is rare. two ga- two bugs in this game. Oh. One of them was that all the prompts to open doors disappeared, so I was literally stuck in a room that I could never ever leave. <laughs> which was quite frightening, but I was able to just, like, boot it up. And then the next one was Luigi fell through the floor and he was somersaulting forever. <laughs> and it was really oh, fun. no. <laughs> it was fun because on the D-pad, you can push, you know, the, the buttons on the D-pad and you'll go, Mario. And so <laughs> <laughs> you're just, like, doing somersaults. And I was talking to a few other people on our What's Good Games fan page and they also have had some issues. But thankfully, the autosave system is really great, so you're not really going to lose a lot of progress. Um, another issue is just the controls. The controls themselves are... They're not terrible, but first of all, there's no invert. So don't give me shit, Andrea. I know what you're <laughs> going to say. I don't want to hear it, but there's no invert option. So that's kind of been like a little weird for me. Not terrible. Um, and even if you In do- your defense, even though, you know, I love to give you shit about inverting controls in 2019, to me, it's unacceptable that if there's camera control in a game, that invert is not an option. I'm just going to lay that out there. It is unacceptable in 2019. If you have camera control in your game with a stick, it, you have to have an invert option. Boom. Done. Yeah. No, you're, you're not wrong. Uh, the good news is that the game isn't punishing. Even if you do look down instead of up or left instead or well, so if you look down instead of up, like the game's pretty good at knowing like what you want to do. So even if you do screw up, it's not super punishing. And it can be a little weird when you're trying to turn left or right because Luigi can turn in a 360, obviously, and sometimes it gets a little wonky. Again, like you'll be fine. Um, and the other thing is, is you know, you have your flashlight, you have a plunger that you can throw at things and then suck on the plunger rope because there's a rope on the end of your plunger, and you can use that to yank stuff down or pull stuff around um the game teaches you that you have to use the a button and i think the y button for those actions the problem with that is that requires your right thumb obviously to push those buttons and when your right thumb is pushing those there's no way to turn luigi because you need to do that with your right thumb they Mm. they does that make sense so they tell Mm. you like use these buttons but you can actually use the shoulder buttons to do those same movements so Always use the shoulder buttons because they don't tell you that. But if you, you know, test every button, you're going to find that they do what you want them to do. 
And if you hold both down at the same time, you get the dark light. And they don't tell you any of this. But this is just a pro tip from yours truly. Oh, thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for the pro tip. Yeah. Anyway, definitely should play it. It's it's, it's very deserving all the praise it's getting. It's just a really good like I'm like I'm looking looking forward to play that playing that after the podcast tonight because it's just a good like relaxing upbeat like ah this is this is just it's fun and finally there's a level in there called the Grand Sand Hall or the Sand I wrote it down let me find it hold on I wrote it down Sandy Grand Hall and it is one of the most most satisfying moments I've ever had in a video game it's this huge hall of nothing but sand because I'm in the Egyptian theme and you can suck it all up with a poltergust and the way the sand physics moves. I mean, literally, Jason and I spent 20 minutes last night just sucking up all the sand. Got absolutely no <laughs> reward whatsoever. But if anyone's listening to this and you've done that level, you know what I'm talking about. It was extremely therapeutic. And that, and that's it. That, that's, that's my yeah. little juice mansion thing. <laughs> Thank you for nice. not judging me. Thanks for not speaking out. But I'm going to introduce you to this Sandy Grand Hall, Andrea, and you're going <laughs> to understand exactly what I'm talking about. Because, oh, my God, I never thought sucking up sand in a vacuum cleaner would be so great. <laughs> therapeutic i know i like vacuuming it's nice there's a mess and then you vacuum it and it's gone i oh, hate vacuuming here. i hate it yeah. but vacuuming up sand is the best apparently <laughs> <laughs> i'm just saying i know there's at least one of you out there who knows what i'm talking about i'm gonna post this shit on twitter and feel validated no oh. i understand because there was a moment this morning this is such a weird random mm-hmm. aside where John accidentally discharged one of our fire extinguishers. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, so, yeah. So, also, I didn't realize what kind of materials inside of your typical fire extinguisher, and it's like sand almost. Uh, so, so quick aside, we were moving things out of the closet because in his closet, the master closet. That's where the ladder into the roof access is. Mm. Also, good job, Builder, for putting the freaking attic access inside the closet. That was dumb. So we're moving things out because we're having an electrician to come to run wires to the studio construction that we're doing, which BT dubs, I'm doing a vlog that you can watch on patreon.com slash what's good games to give you an update on the studio construction if you want to watch. And so we know that electricians come in, they probably need to get attic access. And I am in the kitchen feeding the cats their morning breakfast, and all I hear is like a, oh, shit. And I'm like, what's going on? And I walk back there, and he's like, um, do you have the vacuum? I go, why? And he's like, so the fire extinguisher went off. I go, what? What happened? He's like, why is there a fire extinguisher in the closet? And I was like, okay, um, maybe we both have some explaining to do. So... um, Long story boring, we got a new HVAC when we moved into the house, and when you turn an HVAC on for the first time with the heater, it has like a burning oil smell. The guys warned me, they're like, don't freak out, it's normal, it'll go away within 24 hours, but it set the fire alarm off when I turned it on, and apparently the fire alarms in my house, Brittany, yell, fire, 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 (laughs) like over and over again until the alarm goes off, and I was like... Didn't I've never heard of fire detection that does that. <laughs> so rightly so, I freaked the fuck out. Cause I'm like home by myself. Johnson like Tokyo or whatever. So I run and get one of our three fire extinguishers and I bring it to the back and then I open oh, the no. door to let the smoke out and it goes away. And everything's uh, fine. Oh. But I left the fire extinguisher there because in my mind, I'm like, well, the attic access goes out to the pipes where oh, the God. fucking... 
Oh. Uh, you know, the condenser yeah. goes for the HVAC system. So I was like, well, if there's a fire up there, I want to have a fire extinguisher <laughs> close. So I just left the fire extinguisher in the closet. He's moving stuff around. Oh. He moves one of the boxes inside the closet against and doesn't realize the fire extinguisher is there. I thought there was a pin in it. <clears throat> Apparently, there was supposed to be a pin. There was no pin in it. Oh, my God. It hits it at just the right angle where it depresses oh. the the oh. nozzle on the top to get it to spray. And now it's just pumping this, this like, sand-like material all in the closet oh, everywhere. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I get back there, and I'm like, what happened? <laughs> He's like, I did. He's like, why is there a fire extinguisher in the closet? And I'm like, oh my gosh. I'm just laughing at the at the thought of you like sitting doing your thing and then fire, 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 like going off throughout your house. I you freaked. Like- I freaked out. I freaked out. It was so loud. Oh, oh god. I can't. Help. Okay, my heart. My old ticker. Okay, that was a great. Anyway, story. I got to vacuum up that material, which was very much like sand, and it was therapeutic. <laughs> that was a really good tie-in. Honestly, I'm very impressed. <laughs> this makes me want to play uh, Luigi's Mansion now. Girl, you need to. Yeah. <laughs> I did just before, get to that level. Really just get to that, that level, man. Um, <sighs> oh my goodness, my face. Sorry, I had to tell that. That's a no. That's a great story. That's probably the best tie-in you'll ever have in your entire career. So just give up now. It's never going to happen again. No. Um, but I think no surprise, Luigi's Mansion 3 is good. It's tough because I want to talk about Call of Duty Modern Warfare, but like the show was running long. So I'm trying to decide, yeah. Britt, what, what should we do here? Should I talk about Modern Let's, Warfare? You've played it. I've played it. I haven't Brie, played it. Have you so played I was, it? I was going to say, oh, why no, don't we hold yet. off so we can both talk about it next week? Okay. So I played the campaign start to finish in two sessions. Took me about five to six hours. Um, I can't wait to talk to you about it. I am so impressed with what Activision has done. Obviously, Activision spends a crap ton of money making Call of Duty games. And I know everybody loves to hate Call of Duty, but this is a campaign like I haven't seen in a long time. And I think they delivered the goods in a way that is not only cinematic, which what they're known for, but the story feels cohesive. I feel like I could follow it. I actually cared about the characters at the end of the story, which is so rare for a Call of Duty mm-hmm. campaign. And I just was in continually impressed by the technology showcased in what Infinity Ward was doing in, in Modern Warfare. And I can't wait to go into more details next week, but like, I really like hats off to the team at Infinity Ward for a job well done and a fantastic campaign that really lives up to its, you know, popcorn blockbuster status that they that they have that we talked about on the show last week with all the sales numbers and stuff that they were touting. Uh, It's no surprise. The game seems like it's phenomenal. So excited. Okay. Um, That said, we're going to end this segment because when we come back, you guys have sent us some questions for Sabriel. We want to talk to her about uh, what she's doing in the game space. And um, we've got an update for you on that Xbox All Access that we asked you guys to write in about. Because uh, several of you did. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm. everybody welcome to our feature segment of the what's good games podcast as you know we've been chatting with miss Gabriel Maston 
this whole time. Save Reality on Twitter is her tag. And if you didn't know, she's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. She does a lot of things. It's true. Uh, yeah. Good. <laughs> I'm glad you that you agree. Um, so we had some people write in some questions, which we'll get to in just a second at whatsgoodgames.com slash DRWGG. Don't forget, you can always send your questions to us there for the show. Uh, we do check it. So what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that we didn't really get to talk to at the top of the show was kind of like how you got involved in the video games and media space in the first place. It's a question that people ask us all the time. Uh-huh. And so I also in turn like to ask people because I'm fascinated about like what drew you to wanting to work, you know, in video games at large, but also about like, you know, what you want to do and what you're currently doing in the video game space. So before we get to your question specifically, um, what was your first video games job? Gosh. Uh, so I've been active on Twitter since like 2007, eight, when it came out and uh, a few years into it, uh, Kathy over at indie or, um, uh, um, wow. I can't, IGC, uh, indie game, indie gamer chick. Wow. Um, ah, there you go. She DM'd me uh, one night in the middle of the night. She's like, you're opinionated. You should write for me. <laughs> that's how I started. Love it. Um, wow, that's yeah. awesome. And so I did. I started covering indie games. I would go to PAX and uh, play indie games, review them there, or preview them there, mm-hmm. come back, review games with her. And it was a lot of fun. And, and that's how we at, met. PAX yeah, yeah. 2014? 14. Yeah. You were doing a panel uh, with... Uh, uh, some folks and you mentioned you were from North Dakota and I was like oh, no way yeah and I just happened to see you the next day at a party and said hey did you say that and you're like yep and here we are yep, it's uh, true we yeah, met from North Dakota at PAX South right uh you and I actually met there yes but we've known each other actually For a lot it was of- even the same weekend uh uh, I can't I remember. We, we talked on the floor. I think floor, I saw so. you physically for the first time at PAX South, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. But we have been uh, so. bros on Twitter for a while. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so well, I started working with uh, indie games and then just kind of started slowly expanding more and more to covering other things. And uh, back in 2016, I was hating my real life job. Mm, uh, I know so that much. feeling. I was like, I need Britain to get out of this, story. so I quit. <laughs> like, I didn't have a plan. I quit. I had some support of others to help out for a few months, and I shot, saw a job opening for social media at uh, Overbuff, where I work now. And I'm like, I'm doing nothing. I'm just going to give this a shot. And here I am, working for them. Uh, so covering and through that, awesome. I started covering uh, bigger games in esports, which I had enjoyed before, but now I absolutely adore and uh, what is it about esports that you adore so much part of it was kind of um i I enjoyed watching starcraft back in the day but not really closely but i was never really into traditional sports and suddenly like there's this game i understand a little bit and people are playing professionally like this is competitively this is interesting and then um uh overwatch really kind of spoke to me uh as a, as a game itself, like, wow, there's people that look like me, look, seem like me, and whatever. And I got into this, and like, well, there's an esports scene coming here, too. And so I started watching those early days, like, there was an esports scene before the game even came out. And I'm just loving this and loving the personalities, and like, I gotta do that. And uh, I don't really want to play competitively. I do casually, but not a hardcore level. But um, I, the, the learning sports, uh, or, Wow, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here. But uh, just seeing the sport around something I understood 
really spoke to me. And I've actually started enjoying traditional sports too since then. Nice. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, That's cool. I started getting into uh, WNBA this year, uh, which Ooh. is a really been an interesting experience getting into traditional sports so late, especially Welcome. sports. Uh-huh. <laughs> Welcome. Sports ball. Yeah. I mean, Brittany and I are both big fans of sports, particularly football. We like to jab each other about our football uh-huh. teams. I mean, go um, Vikings. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go Vikings. That's right. Uh, I, mean, I, I, would watch, I would watch football, but with friends. And uh, I mean... My one of my best friends' cousin plays for the Vikings, uh, the Thielen. Uh, so it's, wait, <laughs> like I have to. Yeah. What? Yeah, you have a connection to Thielen? Uh, oh, very John loose, Stanton. very tentative. But yes. <laughs> I was like, "What's happening over there, John?" Just John. He's dancing. Um, that's awesome. Also, I don't want to go down a, a, a Vikings rabbit hole because we could we could be here all day. Um, I think it's really fascinating though that you started out with this love of esports and then that brought you to the traditional sports because generally it's the other way around. I think my my experience with the esports community after having worked in esports and, you know, seeing how it's grown over over the years is that I still feel like esports has this giant hurdle to overcome of that it's just not easy for people to become fans because the gameplay is so difficult to follow mm-hmm. even if you're a fan of the game like mm-hmm. you're a fan of overwatch you can watch owl and watch some of these other competitive leagues and see the professional players and understand what they're doing it's still difficult even as oh. a player and for people who don't play it's impossible and i think that traditional sports from the rule set alone is just a little bit easier to follow. So like, I don't know the ins and out of all the errors and the rules around baseball, but I love going to baseball games and mm-hmm. I have a great time watching baseball um, because the rules of like, Oh, they've got to hit the ball and make it around the bases is a pretty easy concept to understand, yeah. <laughs> even though clearly I'm being reductive intentionally. Video games are not that way. And I love that you brought up StarCraft because I feel like StarCraft (laughs) is probably the most complicated game of esports to ever exist, even more so than where the MOBAs are at. Because obviously, you know, MOBAs were born out of, um, were really born out of like MMOs and and a combination of like real time uh, tactics with combined with MMO tactics. Like it's really interesting, like looking at the history of, of, of the MOBA genre in general. But like I, love watching old StarCraft 2 esports stuff just for the sheer fascination with all of the like wizardry that's happening on screen. Because <laughs> not only are the casters and... just like spitting all this crazy stuff that I'm uh-huh. like, what the heck is even happening? But like the players themselves are moving at such a clip with such really intricate, deep strategies involved that I, I it's it's amazing to me that it's even a thing that occurred, that happened, that existed. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I, I watch so much Overwatch esports, especially Overwatch League. And I will still, once in a while, get lost. Like, what just happened? Or what's going on here? I mean, and I, I mean, this is someone whose like, career is doing this. And I still have to like, sometimes pause and rewatch something like, oh, mm-hmm. okay, that's how it happened. Uh, so, yeah, no, I totally get it. And I have actually enjoyed that about traditional sports. Like, wow, I can slow down and kind of just enjoy this moment. Uh, it's, it's, while the game, while traditional sports might be fast paced, it's not esports fast pace. Sure. And, right. Yeah. And I could totally vibe and watch uh, traditional sports and still get what's going on. Yeah, those real humans totally. need a break from time to time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, 
That's really cool. So have you ever thought about wanting to go into casting or or doing more work with esports? I actually did that a few years ago. Um, I've hosted a few events, too. Uh, but it was oh, very low key. Um, awesome. Yeah. So I, camera work and all this is, I love being on camera, actually. I found out through this. Um, but I really, once I started doing it for a bit, I realized like maybe hosting isn't quite what I wanted to do. I enjoyed mm. doing it, but it wasn't really my calling after all. And so, but I'm glad I got the opportunity to try it out. Uh, casting, I've done that too for um, community tournaments and charity events, but uh, neither of them really felt like my calling. Mm. So I got to find some way to, well, I, I even, because I like to be on camera, I like to talk as much as it sounds like I've had difficulty today for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> so funny. Uh, I've, I've done a show on Overwatch uncovering, um, I did a video version of it and realized how much work that goes into mm-hmm. producing video content weekly. And so I turned mm-hmm. it into an audio show and I just retired that show after about 250 episodes. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. Holy crap. Congrats. We're all on 250 episodes though. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. So, um, but I, so I'm trying to find a new avenue, how I can, uh, put my things I've learned in production and hosting and whatnot into use. And I'm a little hiatus for that part right now. Mm. Cause I was going to ask you, so what do you think your calling is, but you are just, you're experimenting and figuring it out. Yeah. So right right now I'm doing, uh, I did an overwatch beat for fanbyte.com for a while. Uh, I will pitch some things here and there, but I'm still trying to find that new calling since I've done the writing. I've done some producing and content creation and trying to figure out how I can make that work for me. Our official Blizzard correspondent for What's Good Games. There you go. <laughs> See you in a year. We need you. <laughs> help us. Happy to help. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And I, I, obviously, we mentioned already that you were on our Extra Life stream in Fargo when we were there at eGame yeah, Central. And I was so glad that we were able to, to feature you and your channel uh, because, you know, as we had said before, that you know, being in Fargo and growing up there, like video game culture feels almost non-existent. Or if it exists, it felt like very much like underground in a way. And I'm so glad to see that it's become a much bigger thing today than it ever has been in the past with like, there's a barcade now Mm -hmm. and there's multiple places to go. Like you can go play emulation games. You can play games, esports at, you know, eGame Central and and things like that. And so how's it been for you being a fan of video games, you know, kind of growing up where we are from and kind of watching that culture change over your lifetime? Uh, it's been great. Um, so I admit, I do still stay here and play games a lot because that's what online gaming is. You stay here. Like, um, mm-hmm. But I am very glad these places exist. I mean, when we went to eGame Central, I was amazed at this amazing setup. This is really cool. Um, but with um, we also have some land groups in town here. Um, they have actually gotten TV coverage locally. Uh, try to get people to just come up, bring your computer. We're going to have a good old fashioned LAN party. Oh, and uh, oh, it's been neat yes. having that. Yeah. And well, here I was like, I do this. I used to do this all the time with my friends and we never got the TV coverage. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? Those kids. <laughs> but no, uh, but seriously, no, it's been really great. And I was um, friends with some of the guys there and it was really cool to just kind of like, yeah, there are other PC gamers here. Like, we know the console work or people do consoles, but the PC gaming. Uh, thing is kind of big here too, and it's really cool. Uh, it's just really nice after what we grew up in, like Fargo and Detroit Lakes, where I have to ride bike to the store and <laughs> talk to my friends at school. <laughs> you went uphill in snow both ways. Yeah, that's right. That's oh right. my god, you two, stop <laughs> it! But, like legitimately, you probably did in Detroit yeah. Lakes. Um. Yeah, in Fargo, there's no hills, so. <laughs> <laughs> 
the snow the snow problems are real out there mm-hmm. and um in in the more I don't want to say backwoods because Detroit's not technically backwoods but kind of you kind yeah, of have to go like through the, the backwoods to get there it's on the edge of backwoods <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I don't think I knew that you were from Detroit Lakes yep yep grew up there oh man we fast every year Woo. Dude, I love we fast. Actually, oh. uh, super side. We gotta bring five. Brittany to Fargo in the summer, like proper yeah, summer. Weed, weed fest. We fest. We fest. So W-E. like W E. Okay, it's so first I thought you festival. said weed fest, like W E E D, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> I can I can roll with that. And then I we fest. I'm thinking W I I, and now okay, it's just it's gone through a million transitions. Okay, got it. Yeah, yeah no, we fest is a country music festival. Ah. so it's like a uh, it's a multi day festival where the biggest acts and country music come and play on several stages i mean it's like any other music festival that's cool you know like like stagecoach out here in california but there and the reason why it's so big there is because like there's very few music festivals that come to that part of the country because there's such a limited window of weather when they can accomplish a festival like that (laughs) um and so it's huge because people Mm -hmm. come from you know, all over the region to drive in for this for this festival. So. And for the four people who will get it, uh, they're actually not doing it this year. <gasps> First Wait, time what? ever. Uh huh. Why? New company bought them out, and who knows if they'll ever come back? Oh no. <gasps> yeah. Twenty five years. They're no. It's it's thirty seven years. Like thirty years old. I'm one year older than uh, Wee Fest. Dang. That is wild. Oh. Holy crap. Yeah. Oh my gosh, drama. <laughs> um, <laughs> But we don't need to talk about Wii Fest drama right now. <laughs> uh, we're talking about video games and and Miss um, Sabriel. So I want to ask you some of these questions yeah, that our audience has written in. This one comes from Sindel. Sabriel, who's your Overwatch main? Also, what were your guys' thoughts on the Blizzard cinematics? Heart emoji mm-hmm. eyes. Smiley yeah. is what they put in. Thanks, Sindel, for your question. So you talked a little bit about your Overwatch main as being yeah. Anna. Anna. I, I call myself an Amari main, uh, which is Anna and her daughter, Farah. Uh, those are my two okay. favorite heroes. Anna is my absolute favorite hero in that game because she, you shoot your allies to heal them, and how I mean, and um, <laughs> <laughs> which is how cool is that? That's but a great also, concept. I mean, I really loved how she plays, but also just her character concept is awesome. Because how many p- games let you play as a, one of the main characters, an old woman? What's her I mean, name? Anna. Anna. A N A. Sure, Anna. Oh yeah, I remember when she, when her art was officially released and. It was like I think people were really excited about it. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, so and, she she has a sniper, but you heal people with it. Yep. Ah, uh-huh. very cool. Uh huh. And it's just the cool concept of playing an old woman and like a mother character to a character who's in the game as well. Just kind of neat. And uh, I actually did a poll like years back now, like well, how many games actually let you play an old woman, and people came up with maybe two or three. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, like, this is just really cool. I'm glad they did that. Well, Watch Dogs Legion next year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> granny, all, let's all go. All Granny Armies. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, so another question from Matt is, how did shape-shifting as a druid in Diablo 4 feel? Does it feel tangibly different walking around as a werebear or a werewolf since the transformations <laughs> are tied to skills and are instantaneous? I'm wondering if the feeling of being transformed into a different form is lost. So as I, I mentioned very briefly earlier, I got called away when I was playing the Druid, so it's a very limited uh, experience. I'm sorry. But uh, it felt natural. Uh, like, mm-hmm. like Once you learned what how the act moves actually feel, like it felt natural. Like, this is what's going to happen when I push this button. So mm-hmm. I say it felt good. And again, this is a very early demo. Uh, your experience, your mileage may vary. <laughs> but I think it felt good. 
They feel all weighty, like boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to overuse the term, visceral. Ah, <laughs> yes. Like, Take a shot every uh-huh. time we say visceral. Too late. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so no, it felt good. Good. I'm excited. <laughs> Wear bears. Wear bears all day. Kevin, aka one floppy wiener. <laughs> what <to> asks? <laughs> okay, Kevin. That's what? What the fuck? Listen, that's Why? what he wrote. Why? Is this the Kevin you know? No. Oh God, no. I hope not different Kevin. It better be a different Kevin. Um, I don't know them. <laughs> ask, how likely is a Diablo 4 to actually look like what we saw at BlizzCon? So it seems like Blizzard promised a lot at BlizzCon in reaction to what happened last year with the Diablo Immortal announcement. Will, will that help or hurt their current public image? Uh, oh. This feels like a few questions here. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, good. first question again. I've already... Uh, so... Do you think, how likely oh. Oh. is it that what you played at BlizzCon is actually going to be what the game looks like when oh. it launches? I think very likely. Uh, as long as you're not talking about the cinematic. I mean, <laughs> um, I mean no. but like, we all know that that was very much yeah, like a, I assume not that's a real not what thing. the question meant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, I, I think it's going to... Uh, I think that what we saw on the demo or show floor was pretty close to what we're going to see in the experience. It felt good. Uh, I mean, I don't know if that conveyed in video very well. But when I had it actually right in front of me, it felt good and beautiful and dark. So uh, I think it's going to – I think you'll see this later. One floppy nice. wiener. <laughs> I can't. I can't. One floppy wiener indeed. I imagine it like flopping around like a magic carp out of water. Like what? what's happening there? You know what I mean? It's like a oh. mental image <laughs> that I don't no, want. No, no one – no, stop. No, why? Oh. I tell you, uh, I can't get it out of my head. That's why. You need to change your name, sir. They, I'm they all also... for... Sorry, go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll let this go. I need to, like, get over it. This is me getting over it. Like, go ahead. If you've played um, recent Warcraft or seen recent Warcraft in-game cinematics or some of the Overwatch cinematics, you can see they're using that technology here in Diablo 4 as well, where they have uh, 3D rendering they do for some in-game cinematics. That looks really good. Um, so it's, it's not actually just static. We took a CG person or a computer graphics. We didn't make a cinematic for this. We use the in-game models for cinematics. And it looks pretty good. Mm. Nice. I'm excited to play. I want to play. Yeah, we got to move on. <laughs> okay, we're moving on. So I want to move on to some of the responses that you guys sent in when we asked. So last week, we talked about the Xbox One All Access... Um, details about this essentially idea that you pay for an Xbox now and then you get to upgrade it to Scarlet next year at launch. And in the meantime, you get access to Game Pass um, and Gold, correct? Um, yes. And so we were like, we were confused kind of about how the product works and about what's the value. And so we said, WGG listeners, write to us and tell us what's exciting to you about this. Because Brittany and I were like head scratching of like, why would anybody want to do this? Seems like you're just paying for something, um, almost like a layaway program. And so a bunch of you wrote in. So thank you so much to everybody who wrote in. Uh, the one I'm going to read is, or right now, we'll, we'll try to touch on a couple others, is from, from Nick. Uh, Nick writes in and says, hi, ladies. I'm listening to your show from last Friday. And you were asking people to write in where they consider the Xbox All Access package. Personally, I find this option really great and will probably look towards applying for the Xbox One X package. It allows people to actually get an Xbox One X for around 100 to 120 bucks if you, in his little math, 
uh, like multiplies the thirty ninety nine times twelve equals three hundred and seventy one dollars roughly, um, and it's cheaper than the current retail price of four ninety nine based off the current Amazon and Best Buy prices. Getting this discount with the Xbox One X, which is kind of what I want so I can play games like Gears 5, included with the Game Pass option and the upgrade to Project Scarlet, seems like a pretty good deal to potential customers who only have a PS4. Granted, it's a 24-month lease where you're still paying for both consoles and subject to potential credit impacts, but I still think it's a good deal to gamers who don't currently have an Xbox and want to get one in the middle of the next-gen rollout. So I thought that that was a really interesting way to put it. Um, of this idea of like, well, if you've been, you know, dragging your feet on getting an Xbox and there's games on the platform that you're interested in um, that are launching before Scarlet does, like here's a way to pay for it and then just auto upgrade to the feature when the next one rolls out. Okay, so wait, where did the um, savings come into place? You said you, you said you save like a hundred bucks, hundred fifty. You bucks. save by paying the the monthly fee, mm-hmm. um, because by the time you're done paying the monthly installments, when Scarlet comes out, that'll still be less than buying an Xbox One X at retail price oh, upfront right now. Okay, got it. So like, if you're going to okay. get like an X, a standard Xbox One X off the shelf, most places still have them, unless you catch one on a sale. Uh, right now, you're probably just going to pay full price, which is 500 bucks MSRP, right? And then uh, what he's saying is, hey, if you do the payment plan, not only do you get to get the console and bring it home while you're on the payment plan, um, you get to play on Game Pass um, in the meantime while you're waiting for Scarlet to release. So Trevor also wrote in and said, um, who is this for? Um, mentioned that he was listening to the show and asked for feedback. He says, someone like me, I'm in the position where I am a poor game developer who would like to play with an upgraded system, the Xbox One X, or the Scarlet when that launches. So this is perfect for me. I make my money on the side doing web development while our first game is in development, so I'm more likely to be able to spend 30 bucks per month on a system than put down the full amount. It's also not a bad deal if you want an Xbox One X as it's cheaper than the price for both the console and the Game Pass Ultimate. Since Scarlet is out next year, I would be more likely to do this than buy an Xbox One X outright because why would I spend all that money up front when the system will be outdated next year? With this, I at least get part of the next Xbox paid for and continue to enjoy the games made available through Game Pass with a performance bump the year. Uh, throughout the year. Love the podcast and I've been listening since the beginning. Keep going. Oh, thanks. Okay. So now that we've had several people like write in and these are just two of the people that have written in mm-hmm. and explain it, it's much more clear to me what this value is, especially right. as somebody who literally just paid to upgrade my iPhone to the new iPhone. So girl, get ready for all of the tri-camera <laughs> selfies. Oh, she <laughs> is. It's going to happen. Oh God. Um, but like, I understand the concept more of why this makes sense it's like if you don't want to keep your Xbox and you're perfectly happy to ditch your Xbox One to swap it out for a Scarlet because maybe it's not your primary system or maybe you just want to test it out and you know that you want to get into the Scarlet ecosystem next gen, that makes sense from a monetary perspective. I guess in my mind, I don't automatically get rid of my consoles when the new generation comes out. I generally keep at least one of the console, so I have one of each console. Obviously, we're a multi-console household here because we both work in video games, and I understand that that's not a situation that most people have. 
Mm-hmm. And so my situation is different than a lot of the people who wrote in and were like, actually, this is exactly for me. And so thank you so much to everybody who wrote in. And it makes much more sense now about why you guys think it's a good investment, why you yeah. think it's a, mm-hmm. a financial savings and what you're excited about for Scarlet. Yeah, it makes sense, especially since it'll be backwards compatible. And, you know, the good old cloud saving. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, man. Thanks, friends. Thanks. Yeah. This is why we like to have discourse with yep. our What's Good Games community because you guys can write in and go, excuse me, ladies, this is how I feel about it. And we can have a fun discourse about it. And you guys are great. We love you. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on that note, I was going to see if there was any of these others, but I don't know. I don't think so. Um, because they're mostly just repeats. There's basically just like some of the other questions that came in were just essentially the same questions that we've already asked you, Brie, about mm-hmm. Overwatch. Um, and I don't want to like be redundant um, about what we've already talked about. But um, I guess what I would like to ask you to kind of like wrap up our time here is are there things about, you know, the gaming community that excites you and that you want people to check out? Or do you have content that people can go watch? And, you know, what are you up to right now? What's what's yeah, next well, be- for Save Reality? <laughs> well, before I forget, because I always forget to plug myself. If plug you can't yourself. Spell, yeah, right, if, if you can't spell Save Reality, like I can't half the time when someone asks me to, just go to <laughs> me. My website has links to everything I do. I spell uh, like a saber, like a saber tooth tiger. Yep. Sabriel dot me. Just like the like book. Like you saber a bottle of champagne. <laughs> oh. Wow. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> okay, so S A B R I E L dot M E. Yes. Got it. I'm on your website. Cool. <laughs> so what's next for me? Uh, like I said, I'm still kind of figuring that out. I'm a little in between things. I mean, I mean I'm still working. I just uh I want to do video production. I but I'm also looking to be at PAX East again. I've yes. done many panels there now over the years, which yeah. I love doing. Um, so, so if you don't know, I am trans. and uh, I do know. You know. But people but listening if, don't know. Yeah. I, mean, if you're, if, if, I don't know why you're not following me yet, but no. <laughs> but, what are you um, talking about? I know this. And know oh, this. you mean people listening. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know you do. <laughs> um, but no, so I, I pride myself in being out there. I want people to know you're not alone. And so I go to conventions and often that is a topic that I talk about. Or it is an aspect of what I am talking about. Or I talk about it online. I just want to be visible and there. You're not alone. And so uh, if you ever need someone to talk to, come to me or just follow my feed. I talk a lot of gay stuff. <laughs> not going to lie. A lot of Overwatch. <laughs> a lot of gay stuff. And uh, what else? a lot of Fargo stuff. I usually hashtag myself. If you yeah, do not like Overwatch, you don't have to listen to it. <laughs> but uh, but um, I look forward to being at PAX East again, talking about Whatever I'm going to be on, I think it's going to be an interesting panel if it goes in. Mm. Uh, I can't talk about it quite yet. But, um, so yeah, just uh, if you want to see a trans woman's experiences, both in Overwatch and gaming and whatnot, and when she watches gay stuff online, uh, just check out my Twitter feed. Uh, I love to talk about <laughs> just about everything. <laughs> you have a great you... timeline. Thank yeah, you. no, I we talk a lot on Twitter. I was going to ask you... the. Obviously, you had mentioned that you speak publicly on panels at things like PAX. Uh, do you find that there the community of more people in the trans community who are out in, in video games is becoming bigger and bigger? Or do you kind of feel like it's still oh. that a lot of trans people still don't feel comfortable like being out and being a gamer? Wow, I wish I had this community back when I was young. Uh, oh. <laughs> no, it's big, especially uh, gaming spheres. Uh, gaming 
MMOs and similar games interact a lot in the transphere. And uh, I think I think it's much bigger than it was five years ago, ten years ago. And I'm so happy for that. I mean, like, uh, trans women are like a diamond does now on Twitter. Maybe it's just my very select feed just because it's my community. But uh, it's like I just feel like we're everywhere now, it seems like. And some people talk about it. Some people don't. Uh, but it's becoming a very normal thing in a lot of spaces. I'm so happy for that. Wish mm-hmm. I would have had that when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Are there specific communities that you're a part of or forums or sites that you recommend to other people who are looking to join trans communities online? Yeah. Uh, so my friend, I, I could get her actual group name. Um, uh, Nikki, Nicotine. She does a streamer. She does a huge trans community. Um, just look at Nicotine, N-I-K-I. And on Twitter or on Google, and you will find her. That's a huge community there, which is really great. I am part of a Girl Gamer subreddit, which is a big trans community on there as well. Uh, topics will just, uh, it's not necessarily that we come there to talk about trans things, but uh, it's a topic that comes up every now and then in the subreddit. I'm a moderator there as well. And let's see, I'm also in a great, uh, um, uh, wow, uh, duh, duh, wow discord <laughs> overwatch group um why am i drawing like a huge blank on their name right on now on the name of the discord only because yeah, you've yeah, been yeah, with yeah, us yeah. for like three and a half hours yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's okay it we put you it. we put you through the ringer okay, right? yeah. it's our fault <laughs> really death blossoms death blossoms uh it's a really cool uh, discord of uh female identified and women gamers uh up there i'm on a great team and uh, so like i've surrounded myself with great community mm-hmm. uh and I mean, my online experiences are pretty good, honestly, uh, especially at least with people on my team. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> other teams mm-hmm. who are a lot, usually randos are another matter. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I think it's, it's tough. I mean, as you know, like just being female in gaming can be really tough uh, for a variety of reasons. But it's becoming a more and more friendly place to people of, of all genders, ethnicities, uh, religions, et cetera, et cetera. And I love that the world of gaming and gaming culture is becoming broader and broader uh, each year that passes. And the gaming, the idea of being part of gamer culture is becoming more acceptable. Because I think what's tough for us as people, all three of us have been like very staunch video game fans since we were very young. Mm-hmm. And we've always been in it, but it hasn't always been acceptable to be a gamer and to call people gamers. And there's been this air of, well, you don't get to be a gamer because either you don't play like me, you don't look like me, you don't sound like me. And it's something that I struggled with a lot throughout my entire career mm-hmm. and throughout my uh, time growing up. And I think a lot of people out there struggle to feel like they fit in with what gaming culture is supposed to be. And I'm using like the biggest air quotes here of like (laughs) supposed to be in gaming culture. And I love that now it can be literally whatever the community wants it to be and that there can be communities for all different types of gamers and that we can all coexist together and say, hey, like if you don't love Overwatch, you don't have to be in our Overwatch community. Or if you don't love Mm -hmm. listening to Brittany talk about her weird (laughs) obsession with trunks, you know, that's okay, too. It's not, but that's fine. It's not okay. <laughs> He's the purple-haired wonder, and y'all should worship him. But hey. She understands where I'm trying to go here, is that there's a place for everybody. So if you're like Brit and you love purple-haired wonders, then it's good that you're here at What's Good Games, because yeah. we love purple-haired wonders, too. We do. <laughs> I need to, um, yeah. 
Yeah. No, go, go, go on about your purple haired wonder. No, I was going to see how much I could pay you or Steimer to dye your hair purple so we can say we have legit purple haired wonders. And then I realized that wouldn't <gasps> be fair because I should dye my hair purple because I'm the one making the suggestion, but I don't want to dye my hair purple. So I just bitched out. But you asked me. So that's what was going through my head. <laughs> it would look so amazing with purple hair, though. Oh, you're so nice. Maybe. I mean, like, I'm not like envisioning like this blonde, a purple ombre that you could do. Oh, it would look yeah. so cool. I think purple stripes. Uh, you used to do black stripes. Sir. You know, I've been wanting to do we something could do purple fun with my hair. Yeah. I've been wanting to do something fun, so maybe that could be my mm-hmm. next thing. Ooh, oh, oh, look what we've done! Oh man. <laughs> well, it only makes sense that we get fashion inspired when when Bree is on the show. Uh, oh, no, so we shit. were in Fargo <laughs> together, and we did a Fargo party bus, which was amazing Ooh. and lovely. And we're all like in Brit and I are like in like t-shirt mm-hmm. and jeans because we'd been setting up at the venue all day and then in walks Abriel in this like killer <laughs> oh, outfit dude. with this black leather jacket and this black skirt and these black boots and I'm like girl what the heck I feel like I gotta go back and change because you're <laughs> too good I know I was feeling I was overdressed but hey oh, I'm no. glad <laughs> you're never overdressed no. that's right no 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 you, you look phenomenal Thank you. you can see those pictures on Twitter if you go back to the What's Good Games. From oh, that two was weeks such ago. a good time. That was such oh, a good time. Yeah, Amazing. that party bus. Oh, <laughs> the best so hour and a half fun. party bus I've ever been on. <laughs> was it an hour? And I half? know it was. Yeah, it was ninety minutes. That went quick. Well, yeah, normally party buses go for a lot longer, but we had a, we had an event to get to. True. Um, and thank you again to everybody who came out. It was so it was great to amazing. see everybody. Oh, so much fun. Um, listen, you guys want to stay in touch with Sabriel. Sabriality on Twitter is her handle. Um, Twitch.tv slash Sabriality. Um, please reach out. She's wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show this week. It was so thank great you. to hear from you. Thanks thank for being you. our BlizzCon correspondent oh, yeah. 2019. I feel like we should make this a regular thing. Yes. Um, <laughs> see you and um, come back to the show sometime. It was great to see you. I will. I will. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yay! Plus, like, yeah. you know, some, of my, some of my favorite people on the internet. Yay! Yay! Thanks for hanging out with us for like three and a half hours. You're the best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a fantastic weekend. When we come back next week, we're going to be talking about more video games. Surprise! What? Until then, <laughs> we'll see you next time. 